Welcome back yeah. to Al Pacino. We are here, and we're yeah. we've got a big we got a big boy today. We have the biggest. Is this story. our longest ep- our longest movie? Yeah, longest, it must be movie? Our longest movie. Yeah, probably because it's the one of the longest movies, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, yeah. It is famously long. Three, three something. Three. Um, it's like three nineteen or something. I think mm-hmm. it's like three hours and fifteen and minutes. It's like yeah, over three hours, but long. He's a long boy. It's a big boy. I, I love this In movie. In a movie full of I, short kings. Yeah. It's a long movie. It's a long movie, but short kings. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, me too. This is the first movie we've discussed that I, like, unabashedly, like, wholeheartedly love. So yeah, that's yeah, very exciting. Yeah. This Great. is the first the first five-star yeah, project Yeah, for me, it so. is. It is. And then the the next one is next week. Ah, so it's oh my a, god! It's good, yeah, it's we're like <laughs> we're in it now. We're like we've reached. You know, this is the 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 peak is beginning. It is. Yeah, it is. Which is exciting. That's great. It I love good. that for Al. I love that for Al. Yeah. Um, the movie we are talking about is The Godfather Part Two. Godfather case... Two. Podfather two. two, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Uh, two, two. If you're in The Sopranos, it's just it's just two. Just two. Just two. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know how to start this. I had an idea that we could talk about the kind of structure of the movie because I do think that that's like an interesting thing to talk about before we kind of get into the yeah. what actually happens. In yeah, it. totally. And also, mainly, I wanted to say that it's it's the same structure as Mamma Mia too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to shout out another excellent um, sequel. Yeah, perfect. Exactly, the two like pillars of perfect sequels we have. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it has like, the same structure as Mamma Mia too. Do you think? I when, mean, it literally does, right? When like, Richard Curtis sat down to write it, he was like, "I'm gonna do a Godfather two, <laughs> 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 Godfather two. <laughs> yeah. So the structure of this movie, like the 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 flash between Michael and Vito when they're both around the same age. Um, <clears throat> I think I read the. Let me find it in that Coppola interview in Vulture. He was saying that he and Mario Puzo had had this idea, or maybe he, I think it was Coppola had had the idea that he, if he was going to make a movie about a father and a son, that he would want to do it so that they were the same age and it was cutting between them. And it was like this kind of direct comparison between the father and the son. And then when they approached him about doing Godfather 2, which he didn't want to do initially, he realized, oh, well, I have this idea for this kind of structure of way of doing this kind of movie and I could apply it to The Godfather even though we've already met obviously Vito um, in the previous film yeah I mean that no one wanted to do this movie that's I guess the the like first thing to mention I it, this is a time when people weren't really making sequels mm. right especially not a sequel that was directed by the same person who made the first one and that was like given the same kind of importance as the first movie I mean, Star Wars obviously comes in the 70s and that's kind of... And then the sequel comes in 1980. That's kind of the first, like, blockbuster sequel. And that's not directed by the same person. But obviously George Lucas is very much involved in both. But, like, this was the first sequel that was ever nominated for an Academy Award. 
and the first sequel that was like either as critically acclaimed or more critically acclaimed than the first one. This is the first kind of a continuation. It's sort of it's the studio that wanted them to do it. So they must have seen that there was money there and there could be money in sequels. And the studio definitely wanted Coppola involved. So there was an understanding there that it was his film, as well as Mario Puzo's film, that they were what made the first one work so well. But I don't know, it's I don't know what the kind of calculation is with that in comparison to like I don't know, what I'm trying to think of like any previous films that had sequels in this way yeah that's a really and i really can't think question. of anything like i mean i'm sure because my knowledge of like films before 1970 is not that great but like well, yeah i mean there's sort of the only examples things that i can really think of is like stuff like serialization like movies that are like mm. westerns like continuations mm, for yeah. that kind of thing like you know in kind of like real like sort of you know 1930s 40s like yeah shoot 'em up sort of movies you know like that kind of yeah. thing nothing like yeah. you know nothing with the weight of something like this i guess yeah it yeah it's all very kind of very um pulpy i guess is yeah. the answer yeah you know, just not particularly um yeah comet i mean definitely not in that time it's so weird to think yeah. about the fact that there was once a time where people were like yeah mm, sequel yeah i don't know now we live in a world where it's like everything we have to have a sequel this thing needs to be like we need and it's built into the into the like pitch meeting right you go to the pitch meeting and you're like hey i have this idea you're gonna make seven of them and they're like great yeah great i'll I'll sign i'll sign but i mean and now i'm thinking like i know that there's like a psycho two and stuff like that that but hitchcock was not involved in that like that's not kind of it's it it is it's like you said it's very pulpy it's the sort of the kind of trashy knockoff, like maybe it's a TV movie, maybe you make like a little bit of money from it, but it's not going to do. It's just like a a cash grab on the original rather than like its own entity. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, because I'm I'm on the Wikipedia page for American sequel films, <laughs> which yeah. has one thousand three hundred and four entries. And wow. the only thing that I can see that's jumping out at me that I think would be a good example of this kind of filmmaking from that period of time is the Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, like, the oh, original okay, Planet sure. of the Apes movies. Like, this is... Beneath the Planet of the Apes was the first one that came up, and then mm-hmm. they made Escape from the Planet of the Apes in 1971. This is from 1970. So, yeah, I think this is the sequel. Yeah, this is a sequel to Planet of the Apes, and that was 1970. Mm. So it was clearly, like, you know, in some capacity in the... Yeah. It, you know, but, I mean, it's pla- again, it's Planet of the Apes. Like, it's sort of, you know, it's it's sci-fi. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's genre a... filmmaking. Yeah. Not yeah. something that, you know, you would... As- it's especially not associate with a movie that kind of has prestige trappings mm-hmm. in the way that The Godfather kind of ended up having. Or, you know, yeah. be- whether that kind of was... You know, it's obviously not baked into the formula in the way that, you know, you yeah. think about movies today where people, you know, things are, as you say, kind of devised with, you know, with sequelization in mind and simultaneously something like this with awards in mind. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was it was in the ether, but I don't think anything quite like this was maybe yeah. in the ether. But I have, a, I have a fun fact for you. I don't know if oh, you please. know this or not. But... Um, <laughs> As you say, nobody wanted to make this movie. Mm-hmm. None of the actors wanted to do it. Coppola didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coppola 
did want someone else to do it. And that person I, was yeah, yeah. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I did read this his, and I wrote it down his... as well. <laughs> Our boy Marty. We love Our him. pal Marty. Sweet, sweet Marty. Uh, yeah, he didn't do it, evidently. <laughs> I, I believe the... Yeah, it was like uh, Coppola, Coppola signed on, eventually was persuaded to produce it. And once he had agreed to do that, he came back to Paramount and was like, I figured it out. I know exactly who should direct this movie. Oh, Martin Scorsese. My friend and they're Marty. like, no, absolutely not. He's made Mean Streets, which is not at all the vibe we're after. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and whatever. What's before What's before Mean Streets? All sorts of like kind of vaguely nasty yeah, like New York. Yeah, like tiny little like yeah. schlocky movies. Nothing. Exactly. Major. Mean Streets. Yeah. Cool. Which is so funny. I um, know. But I just... And I, then... Yeah, it's I, I great. find it so delightful that it's like, you know, everyone talks about these guys, you know, him and and Coppola and like George Lucas. As yeah, the movie like, brats. This little yeah, like, yeah. bundle, but they really are. Like, it's yeah. not just like you know when sometimes when people talk about like eras of filmmakers and like mm. suggesting that they were all like hanging out together, but they were yeah, they yeah. were just really hanging out together. They were just they were. like they were all nice friends, and they just I know. you know. Making little movies with their pals. It's just so and nice. It's the, it's the Roger Corman thing as well, right? Like, they all came from the same kind of... Well, is that Scorsese? Or is it just... Uh, Scorsese? I don't think so. Because it's definitely, like, Coppola and, like... Well, Jonathan Demi as well, but he's yeah, not really Demi. part of that conversation. But I think also Lucas. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely, like, a... A, not necessarily a school of filmmaking, but that's like a thing for sure that so mm. many guys of that ilk were doing. Yeah, you know, going off Definitely. and making like little movies for for <laughs> yeah, like Corman or Corman adjacent sort yeah. of guys. The 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 cheap schlock that you can do, but you can also learn how to like. I mean, what a better way to learn how to make a movie than to go and make something that's like cheap and yeah. you can yeah. kind of do whatever you want with it. I think also it wasn't targets the Bogdanovich, oh, the Bogdanovich movie. Also, yeah, that yeah, was a yeah. yeah, that was a yeah. So actually, um, you were completely you were dead on. He directed Boxcar Bertha in nineteen seventy two, which is a Corman movie, right? Like, just okay. before Mean Streets, basically. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all of these guys who are like, it's Roger Corman is responsible. He's one of those <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't I know that anyone it. is watching a Roger Corman movie now and being like, this is a work of art. But he is like, he did bring up all of these guys. Oh my god, yeah, literally. I'm I'm on now on the Roger Corman wiki, and it's literally like Coppola, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. Jonathan Demme, and James mm-hmm. Cameron. And yeah, yeah. Also, all the actors, you know, Peter Peter Fonda, your Nicholson, yeah. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, truly, like he that guy had his fingers in all the pies. <laughs> you know, like he's just... the real father of New Hollywood is yeah. Roger Corman. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that. He has been called the Pope of Pop Cinema, which is fun. Oh, I love great. that for him. He's the Pope. I wish that was my nickname. That's amazing. <laughs> He's the Pope. <laughs> He's the young Pope. The young Pope. The young Pope. The two Popes. <laughs> um, yeah, so so if we're talking about like Coppola being resistant to this, to making this movie, what kind of eventually persuaded him seems to be both getting a million dollars to make it and um, that he got Paramount to sign on to finance the conversation, basically as part of them agreeing to do this movie. And and kind of the promise from Paramount that like, if you make this, 
this is like it's the not to use the parlance from blank check but which is a podcast that we both love but it's this is the kind of the guarantor right so he's like this is the point where he's like okay I made this big movie you didn't pay me particularly very much to make it I don't really want to get stuck in this kind of genre this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life but I will make two and if two does well I can then from that do basically whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. And and then he did Apocalypse Now, which obviously if you're gonna make you know <laughs> whatever you want, this is the movie. That's whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah. yeah, and also Bob Evans was banned from, from set. So that's important. <laughs> Bob. Oh Bob. The uh the <laughs> the figure that looms over <laughs> the first movie is now. And the same for like Gordon Willis didn't want to get involved, but eventually they gave him enough money that he he signed up. And then Al, if we want to talk about Al getting involved, I have notes about this somewhere. Wherever. Great, yeah. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you what Al's up to at this point in time. I mean, obviously, yeah. we we've been following along literally, <laughs> but you know, what else is going on? Yeah, well, he's kind of dealing with the overnight stardom, pretty much of the Godfather. I mean, on this movie, having to have like a bodyguard outside his hotel room because girls won't leave him alone, <laughs> like. That's the vibe. Wow, um, he's been beaten. Which I mean, yeah, exactly, right. And and this is when he starts being like, I wish people didn't think that they knew me. All of these girls are like, oh, Michael. They call him Michael, and he's like, I'm not Michael. Like that's not who I am. That's hysterical. Um, that's so yeah, funny. I I like for some reason, even though he is like, he is the actor that he is, and he looks the way that he does. <laughs> for some reason, like. I find it very weird to imagine like him having like groupies. It's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> but it's like, uh, I yeah. Mean, yeah, that's that's what it was like to be a movie star. It's just very like yeah. But I mean, especially to, because it's know. like it's not like he was doing a lot of interviews. He's never really done a lot of interviews. I mean, I don't know that I don't know what the situation was with like celebrity stuff at that point. But I imagine it was mostly in like magazines and stuff like that. I don't know that he did any TV kind of. Yeah. Spots in the same way that you would now, right? Like right now, if you well, not right now, but um, <laughs> in general, if you were making a movie in the twenty first century, you would go on a press tour, and that would be like you would talk to so many, so many reporters, and you would make and be in videos and be on talk shows and all of that kind of thing. And he didn't really do that, so it is this sort of just this stardom based on this one film and this film that a time when people didn't own films at home so you go to see it like three times in the cinema and then you just kind of think about it for like however long until you get to see it again but yeah so he didn't want to do this movie well yeah he he didn't want to do it because in part because the first one was so draining and it's such a difficult character to play and partly because you obviously don't want to get typecasted right you don't want to be like it's Michael Corleone that's all he does that's his character but he got here so Mario Puzo wrote the script and he was like okay it's it's an okay script but it's not that great and then eventually he met with Coppola and Coppola was so excited about his idea for the movie and Al got the kind of thrill like from talking to him and he was like well okay you get that thrill you make the movie. I have another fun fact for you. Oh yeah. Which is that uh Jimmy Khan only agreed to be in this movie if he got paid exactly the same amount that he got paid. <laughs> what a king. And I love him they, so much. They agreed. He was like, give me a million dollars and they were like, wow. okay. <laughs> for one scene. For one scene. That's incredible. I love him. I love him. Obsessed. <laughs> Truly. End of tweet. Like Jimmy Khan. Jimmy. But yeah, so so oh we could also talk about 
about Bobby being cast. Well, we are going to spend some time on Bobby. Yeah, do you want to do you want to tell me about Bobby? <laughs> Your notes. I yeah. Have, yeah, I thought that it would be fun for me to like tag team you this week. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. Well, if you're going to do the owl context, <laughs> I will, you know, teach the children about Bobby De Niro. <laughs> let me Bobbit. let me tell you what he's up to, where he's been, what he's oh, been doing. Oh, please do. This yeah. So, yeah, it's impossible to talk about this movie without talking about the two of them, I don't think. Mm, I think we mm-hmm. need to give them equal... In the way that the movie kind of gives yeah. them equal billing, yeah. we need to give them both equal billing. So, yeah, a little bit of background. Only a tiny bit of background, because they are... I suppose they have similar-ish careers, in yeah. that, you know, they're both actor studio guys, they're both Strasbourg mm. guys, um, method-adjacent... Stanislavski, that whole kind of thing. Uh, Bobby doesn't do as much in terms of theatre in the way that Al does. Like, he's more of a movie actor, basically, his whole career. He makes a lot of small movies. Um, As you said, like, before this, uh, he was doing Mean Streets. And that was, like, you know, that was what really launched his career, I suppose. This and the kind of one-two of Mean Streets and then this. A couple are apparently... Gorsese showed him a cut of Mean Streets, an early cut of Mean Streets, and right off that, he cast him in this. Oh, so, that's perfect, nice. perfect. Our boys. Our boys. But yeah. yeah, and I mean, he he fucking knocks it out of the park in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's so mm-hmm. good. He's so good. He's so good. And yeah, yeah um, apparently he went in preparation when he was prepping for this role, he went to a screening room and videotaped all of Marlon Brando's scenes from uh, the first movie and, like, watched them over and over again. Like, he fully, like, yeah. brought a video camera to a screening That's room and so just, cute. Like, turned it on and taped all the bits and then turned it he off is... again. And... It's amazing. I was thinking, like, when I was watching it, he does he does the kind of, like, little mannerisms. Mm. And obviously he's doing the voice, the voice. but not, not an impression, but he's definitely doing the voice. But it's so perfectly balanced it's it's like he's not doing an impression he's not doing exactly what brando did because obviously that's some like veto later in his life and also it would be kind of uncanny it's not he's not doing that but he's doing just enough to make you familiar with him as being veto and he's just so he's so good in this he's, he's so, so good. good he's so good <laughs> and so handsome i mean jesus just like like <laughs> What like have you seen that tweet that's been going around that's like what's the best a person yes, has ever looked yes, in a movie? Yes. Like I don't think he's the best a person has ever looked in a movie in this. But he's, he's like there. he's like top five. Like ten, yeah, it's, five to ten at you know, at most. It's like he's incredible. Just amazing. Just like and he's <laughs> and like his he's not like it's not like he's dressed like a hunk. It's not like he's like walking no, around and no. like you know, no vests for men in this in this. He does. I, he does have a have a sort of a kind of thermal long <laughs> yeah, sleeve. It's like, like a, um, I've forgotten what the word is. It's like a Henley almost. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just open a little bit, and you see his collarbones, and I'm like, you slut, you look great, like. <laughs> it's incredible. It's so good. Flirting, That's all you need. Flirting with 1920s women, just like Literally. a little, little bit of collarbone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The little like hats. I love it. I love it. No man has ever had that's not true. He has incredible cheekbones and the somehow the like the kind of peaked cap. Yeah. Like with the angles, it's just incredible. It's so good. Amazing. He is 
so handsome yeah i truly like as i said to you the other day like all my notes for the sort of veto <laughs> sections are just nigh on incomprehensible because I'm, <laughs> I'm just like staring at him which i guess is yeah. like you know i mean it's one thing to like obviously in the most literal sense you want to look at him but you yeah. also like want to look at him like he's such a <laughs> yeah he's so compelling it yeah ah, this performance is so great when i was you know doing my like bobby brushing up there was a page yeah. there's a quote from pauline kale about this performance which i'm obsessed yeah. with and he, oh she, please he said she says he takes off into the vapors of the film which i love oh like, wow oh, it's so good Pauline! <laughs> Pauline Kale, one of the greatest. One of the just, best. Just Wow. That's such an amazing like and he does. He's just like yeah. he's so just entrenched in the thing. It feels so yeah. like fully formed in a way that is oh, just yeah. so impressive. For somebody who is, as you say, essentially like new. Could be doing an impression. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, yeah, super and new. You, yeah. yeah. You know, this and means and like especially when you put it alongside something like Mean Streets in which he mm. is playing such a different kind of character. Oh, Have you seen Mean yeah. Streets? You've seen Mean yes, Streets. Yes, yes, yeah. I've seen Mean Streets. <laughs> I also was thinking about the kind of, because he was in some very early De Palma movies and I'm not 100% sure if Hi Mom is before uh, this or after. I think it's before. It's before this, yeah. yeah. Hi Mom is 71, I think. There you go. Yeah. Which I really love i think it's actually my favorite department and i've seen quite a few departments now wild. <laughs> yeah i really really love it it's it's like he's making rear window but then at some point like halfway through it turns into like a commentary on like race in oh, wow. in new york and it's great it's just it's not it's like nuts but it's great um and nuts. and De Niro is amazing in that but again like completely different characters i have a i have a quote written down from michael mann talking about uh the difference between de niro and al and the way that they act uh. um obviously from working with them on heat so this is later but he said um de niro sees the part as a construction working incredibly hard detail by detail bit by bit building character as if you were im pay pi the architect anyway oh, um the way al acquires insight into a character is different it's more like picasso staring at an empty canvas for many hours in intense concentration and then there's a series of brush strokes and a piece of the character is alive. Oh, which is just Michael Mann. Michael Mann. The absolute best. I love Michael Mann so much. What a much. man. What a mighty good man. Yes. <laughs> God bless. I love that. I love that. And no, I, I find that, that so interesting. Yeah. I love that it kind of, in a weird way, it like, because I mean, we've made this joke just between us before. In mm. the, it's like, you're the Pacino guy and I'm the yeah, Nero yeah. guy. And that so succinctly captures like a thing that I tend to like about actors yeah. that I like when it's like yeah. they just they do the work like it's like yeah. they, they do the prep they've done their homework they come yeah. in and they're logged in and they're just like in it you know and it's mm. it's a result of like not necessarily something preternatural it's like something mm -hmm. that is crafted like mm. it's you know it's a it's a labor in a way that I think I really appreciate when you can sort of see the, not necessarily see the work somebody's putting in, but you can see that there's a level of, I guess, craftsmanship in the way that you approach it. Because some actors can Definitely. be very natural and some actors bounce off of each other and like, you know, throw themselves into a scene in a way that's more mm -hmm. loose and less structured. But I think that, I, yeah, I really like when 
you hear something about that something like that about an actor and you're like oh yeah you can tell like you know that somebody (laughs) the only reason that this performance works or this performer works is because they like they think about it all the time they're just they're thinking about it all the time it's so fully realized and so like they must be fucking awful people to be around (laughs) is what I'm saying (laughs) well I think also the this is part of the, the the thing that I see as the difference between them, which is, I mean, I'm probably just going to end up restating the thing that Michael Mann said, but not as eloquently. But I think that, I think that Pacino always has a little bit of himself in his, in his characters and he starts from who he is and then finds a part of himself and that's the character, right? Whereas I think that De Niro really, I mean, it's what, yeah, it's what Michael Mann said. It's from the ground up. It's, it's completely rebuilding himself and he's not really in it at all i mean i'm sure he's in some of them but that complete i i don't see when i watch taxi driver i don't see robert de niro in that like that's travis bickle that's entirely travis bickle that's not an aspect of robert de niro's personality although i'm sure he is obviously drawing from his own life in part but i think whereas al i think when he when he prepares for something he's very internal and he's very just kind of sits with it and thinks about it rather than actually thinks about it in the sense of like thinks about the behavior and thinks about the person whereas I think De Niro is more the practicalities maybe and the and the kind of person he's playing but I also do think for this one I was thinking when I was watching in the way that I think Al going forwards is is more of the movie star in that he's more like I said he's more in his characters and more always charming and always kind of at least a little bit sympathetic. Whereas I think in this he's 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 so close and he's so just impossible to to get to. And and I think that that Bobby almost has the the job of being charming and not as serious in the same way. Um and not as like his his section is certainly not as like like incredibly sad as as the section mm. with Michael. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's something that I I noted down as well when I was watching mm. it, is that I feel like for the whole movie he's operating at this one sort of note. Like it mm. even when he's like I think especially you see this in kind of the first sort of section of the movie, which, you know, obviously mirrors like the first section of um uh, one so clearly like you know yeah two different events yeah. two different godfathers Definitely. you know people coming in and paying their respects and you know yeah leaving and um he's so like it's almost monotone like he's doing mm-hmm. so little it is such yeah. a such a quiet performance in those moments and i think the moments the only moments where he's really big are when he's talking when he's with Kay it's yeah. sort of that's it really even the stuff yeah. like later on with Connie and yeah. with uh, with Fredo like it's still fairly small like they're sort of yeah. only really in these very emotional very family specific in the most literal mm. sense family specific moments that he really allows himself to like kind of explode and definitely the rest of it is yeah very small and very quiet and very you know, he looks He's so heavy. He's fucking, so heavy. Yeah, just dead behind the eyes, like just miserable, miserable, miserable. I, was, I kept thinking about what you said about 
about the first one because I've been editing the episode, so I've been listening to you <laughs> to you talk. But you said that he has dead shark eyes at the end, yeah. and I was thinking about that for this yeah. this whole movie he totally because does. that's the whole way yeah. through. The dead shark eyes are there, and I mean, even just it, like shark, like not even just in the eyes, but in the he's so silent and he's impassive almost. Is that what I'm trying to say? And impossible to un- to know him really in this other than that you know that i mean i think it was i can't remember what critic it was but uh a quote from the time that said that it's such an intelligent performance in that you can just see that he's just thought about everything Mm. and and he's so analytical and he's so logical and i mean even in the first that early scene with the senator where he's sitting in the in the office um during the party and the senator is sort of saying things to him and the senator, you know, thinks that he's got uh, Michael on the back foot and Michael's just kind of like slightly kind of bouncing up and down and he's like fidgeting a little bit. And it's like, you can just tell that he's already knows what the senator is going to say. Mm-hmm. He already knows what his response is going to be because he's thought about everything before it happens. And the same with, you know, most of his interactions with his family. I mean, I think the only time he's really blindsided in the movie is with Kay and that's because he hasn't kind of considered that it's a possibility that she could leave him yeah yeah um that's yeah that's really perceptive actually that it's like everything the reason that that is those emotional peaks in the movie is because mm. he's unprepared like he, mm. he's taken aback and he's blindsided and so yeah i love that and i offer you this nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> mic drop <laughs> god it's so good and it's so i yeah also just i mean in terms of just off the bat if we want to keep talking about the acting just to start with and the fact that Bobby won his Oscar won his first Oscar for this in the first place winning for supporting which is kind of crazy because he's very much the lead of his section yeah Um, (laughs) yeah it's probably yeah slightly but I mean also like give him give him lead like give him lead actor price like, <laughs> why not do you know who won lead actor that year uh art carney i believe for oh. a movie that i can't remember the name of now but okay. i remember reading that cool okay. um but i mean also like i think people writing about this these two movies as a kind of as a pair and as this kind of epic and talking about them after the dust has settled kind of thing obviously because these have such a long tail in the culture and saying that i mean that brando and and Bobby both winning for these and Al not winning. And his performance almost being kind of like underappreciated in a way because it's not charming and he's not massively fun to watch. But it is this this just portrait of someone going insane, but in a way that's so quiet and so like just someone completely hardening and completely becoming quote-unquote evil is what people have said but I don't know if evil is really the right way of describing it but mm. that kind of the the uh, yeah I think one quote was just someone saying a portrait of the hardening of a heart the best portrait of that that we've kind of ever had yeah, yeah. which yeah. I mean yeah and I think I think so I love Bobby in this movie and I do kind of think that he's better than Al but I also don't really know if I want to like pit them against each other you because the performances are so different don't pit two powerful don't pit two kings yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly yeah exactly no you're but totally, um yeah you're totally yeah. right it is it is watching someone like calcify it's so exactly. it's so yeah it's such a i mean it's interesting because you haven't seen three and i haven't no. seen three no and i I've will read be very it, but... i will be very interested to see how he plays yeah michael in three because yeah 
everything that I do know about that movie is that it's overblown, I guess. Is... Yeah, and and I read that Al talking about it, that the mistake was trying to redeem Michael. Yeah. And and that that's not really the, the point. I mean, the, the point of these mo- movies is that this man is gone. Yeah, he's just, irredeemable. He's gone. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, there's a quote that I really like. Uh, let me read it now. Yeah, so Al talking about playing Michael in, in this one specifically, and he says, I wanted people to like Michael, to like him in the sense that I wanted them to see him, to understand him and his dilemma without asking them to identify with him. And it's this kind of, you have to, I think you do, you understand the reasoning behind everything he does and you you understand him as a character but I certainly think that you don't empathize with him as much and that's not what Al is kind of going for and that's the kind of again the the him turning off the movie star thing completely for this and just being willing to be unlikable and difficult and impassive and all of this kind of thing willing to be this this figure in a way that even like I mean because the way that people talk about Brando in in one sometimes makes it seem like he is this the same kind of character as Michael. But I I think that Brando, I mean, especially because Vito gets to soften near the end of Godfather, Brando gets to play more variation mm. in Vito. And I don't think that Vito is ever like, I mean, with his family, he's always kind of good natured and he's, and it's not, I mean, that this movie is just, it's, I find it so sad. Like, I find it, it's just yeah. so deeply sad. Like, and it ends on such a sad note. And it's just, in in the way that, and I understand, I think people like the first one more because it is certainly more entertaining. And it's, it ends on this, you know, big blast of violence. Mm. And, and this one is much more contained and it's much more about the characters and the choices they make. Even though it does have, I mean, the scope is pretty large mm. in terms of the what the story touches, but yeah, <sighs> yeah, that's my uh, my essay about <laughs> Al Pacino yeah. is good in The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, he is. He's great. Like, I don't know what yeah. else there is to kind of say about it. And I think, yeah, it's it's funny that you you mentioned that Vito is kind of in in one fairly benevolent I guess or yeah, just, yeah. you know he doesn't engage in the violence and the sort of aggression of mm. it as much and one of my notes was that it seems like him and I can't think of her name but like Mama Corleone I think she's the... literally just called Mama Corleone so it's fine <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think that's literally perfect. how she's credited I, I checked last night because I was like yeah yeah Mrs Corleone they yeah. are the only people in a happy marriage in the entire oh, yeah. Calisteria's movie. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is completely miserable. Oh, a hundred percent. Like there's 100%. that shot of of Michael and Kay at the at the party at the beginning while they're just watching this like children's yeah, choir, God. and they both look so unhappy. <laughs> it's just like two people who have completely lost all sense of like whatever. It's like you've you're past the point of watching a relationship die, and now you're just like yeah. sitting around, at, just like reliving its funeral every day. Like you're just 100%. like watching. Yeah. You're like, this is great. This is a, I exist in like the carcass of what was once something <laughs> really happy and comfortable. Yeah. And it yeah, it's so miserable. Everyone else is so miserable, but it's like, oh well, you know. The the first generation of Corleones had mm. a very happy marriage and seemed to be like 
<laughs> very That's content. So cute, yeah. You know, which is great. I'm glad for, and it's happy all, for yeah. them. It's all this duty, right? It's all of these people who who owe things to each other and who yeah. stick around due to debt, past debts, not because of any kind of actual feeling for each other. It's, yeah. it's, it's keeping up appearances, it's family, it's yeah. all of this kind of thing. It's, it's not, there's no, yeah, there's no <laughs> people here who fall in love with each other. Yeah. Like that's not. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, they're all so miserable. And like, it's funny because the thing that really stuck out to me this time uh, was how interesting I found all the stuff with Connie. And like, mm. she kind of, she's in and out. She's obviously not like very significant to a lot of the plot machinations. Yeah. But the way that she, it's almost like she's kind of taken up this like, you know, in the like, in the way that Michael is kind of the outsider in the first film for a lot of it, you know, he's the kind of mm. black sheep of the family in a sense. Um, and now he's like taken up this mantle and he's become the golden boy. She's yeah. kind of the one that's like lashing out and being like, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting divorced and I'm going to marry this random guy and I'm going to leave my kids and I'm going to swan about in Europe and like I'm going to. Yeah kick up a fuss and like be a little dick to everybody <laughs> and it's 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 so funny that it's you know it's like passing down a, a kind yeah. of strange legacy of like oh well somebody has to be the fuck up so i guess it's gonna be yeah. me you know i mean fredo is kind of a different situation oh, but... fredo. oh fredo we also yeah we haven't talked about Katzali and we should maybe talk about Katzali yeah. at the top Katzali I mean I corner. think yeah we are gonna spend I mean I have plans next week I'm gonna be incredibly insufferable just to let the listeners know that more than usual um but yeah we're, we're definitely gonna spend some time on him next week because he's so important in Dog Day Afternoon but he's so key to this movie as well I mean I think yeah. one of my letterbox reviews for this says like that a big reason why this movie works is that he is so empathetic and he's so yeah you care about him so much despite how pathetic and how kind of useless he is and despite yeah. the fact that he betrays Michael. You believe in him and his he has a good heart and Katsali as a performer is just... He's so vulnerable oh. and so sad and I just... He's just the saddest boy. The saddest, saddest boy. He reminds amazing. me so much or I think there's so much of this performance in... <laughs> Not to make this entirely an episode about my own personal interests, but <laughs> I see a lot of Kendall Roy in oh, Fredo. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I guess that's because yeah. all all family stories are the Godfather. This is how these things work. I mean, but... this this movie is so. I mean, I was going to say this movie is so Succession, but obviously it's the <laughs> other way around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, one hundred percent. He's it's the. It's the kind of desperation for... Ugh, yeah. Just, just desperation. Kind of, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any kind of... Rec just anything. Like, just yeah. the, the smallest little, like, pat on the head. And it's so yeah. fun. Like, just... Oh, my God. He's so... Sad. When he's, like, introducing himself around the party and he's got his ridiculous oh wife. Oh, his, his ridiculous wife. And his little oh, blazer. God. And, like... It's just the blazer like, is so It's a great good. blazer. He's, like... He's very well outfitted in this movie. Which yeah. is... The, well, to me... Dress the dressing in this movie is is phenomenal oh, great. also i did have a note that they all have these waspy waspy parts yeah i wanted to um, talk about that as well the yeah. fact that they've all got like yeah like white anglo-saxon yeah loved ones which is well, definitely loved yeah. ones. <laughs> that's you know debatable <laughs> but yeah that's really yeah, yeah i thought about that a lot about that like 
assimilation thing you know that it's Definitely. like this is how we legitimize ourselves and that all of them you know sitting at that party and like being surrounded by all these politicians and all these like you know well-to-do people and just how like alienating it seems to be you know yeah. in that environment there is the bit that i really love with frankie who's the um the guy who is like very Italian and who comes to this party and yeah, is drunk and yeah. I love him and his voice <laughs> is incredible. Um, but he goes up to this. So, so the party is this confirmation party yes. for Anthony, yeah. who is Michael's son. And it's got the, there's a Senator there and there's, they're in Nevada and it's, it's not very Italian at all. It's, it's just a celebration. Right. And the, the band are just, kind of playing whatever and Frankie goes up to them and he tries to get them to play I think it's probably the song from the first one but I'm not 100% sure yeah, and he tries to get them to yeah yeah and he's like singing to them and he's trying and they start doing it and then they start playing I don't even I can't remember what they actually start playing they but it's like yeah and like making kind of laughing at him and that's kind of the the distillation of the how far they've got from yeah from where they started right that that They've got this band who doesn't know any of the old songs, yeah. and they're... <laughs> yeah, they also yeah like talking about the hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And yeah, like, yeah, they're like, "Where are my cured meats?" <laughs> like, I know, I, I know. Want... Oh yeah, that's uh, the extent to which that they even as they have kind of come this far, they are still outsiders. Is so clear. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like I think that's something that really you know stuck with me this time round is that it's so much a movie about like the desperation of assimilation like just being mm, like mm-hmm. i am going to will myself into this community that wants nothing to do with me and nothing to do with my people and where i come from because yeah. but i am desperate for their approval and i'm desperate Definitely. to like make my way in this world and you know even the i think both sides of the story do kind of speak to that but I think it's interesting Mm. that the Vito story is kind of a rags to riches tale almost you know it's Mm. like he's you know he starts off as this you know little orphan boy in New York in New York with you know nothing and nobody and then he rises and he rises and he becomes this you know this figurehead and then Michael is sort of just desperately clawing at that kind of same stuff and you know it but it's so it's so much sadder when you're looking at it from his perspective and when you're looking at it from that timeline in the movie because you're just yeah it's so miserable everyone is so miserable (laughs) like yeah no one everyone's doing all this stuff and they're like trying to hold on to something but it doesn't seem that there's something that they're trying to hold on to is uh, making them happy or making them doing anything positive for them other than like making them money which you know sure i guess is useful but um at this at this confirmation party, this the senator goes up and he says, kind of, thank you to to Michael and Kay for some donation that they've made in in Anthony's name. And he said he calls Anthony, I believe yeah. it's uh Anthony Vito Corleone, and I think he pronounces Corleone wrong, but I can't remember how he says it. And it's like that's clearly an offense. And then he when he's in the meeting with Michael, he pronounces Corleone in the italian way and he puts it like really in the italian way and it sounds like a slur when he Mm. does it like it sounds like he's he's yeah i don't know it's one of those things that as much as michael is so much cleverer than any of these people that he's dealing with and clearly 
I don't know. Yeah, just just so much more brilliant than any of them. But that doesn't matter as much as even just just the fact that he is Italian stops him from being able to access I don't know the same levels of power that he might be able to otherwise, and it means that he's on the back foot still, even despite everything that he's gone through and everything that he's worked for. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's almost, and I think it's so interesting that this movie is so much about casinos and about like, yeah, you know, this essentially this kind of, when I think of casinos, I think of, you know, this sort of massive, extravagant, like performance mm. of like, you know, it's obviously casinos aren't specifically American, but in this, and they I feel very American. They yeah. feel very American and it feels like such a display of Americanness. It's like mm. this is, you know, especially and you know, all the stuff in you know, like you say it's Nevada and everything feels so uh, when you think of Las Vegas and you think of spaces like that, you think of maximalism and you think of mm -hmm. like you know, just it's just it's essentially like a microcosm of just the most America. It's like yeah. it's like everything is on steroids and it's it's so relates to that idea of them kind of like it's like they're performing this sense of americanness of this original nation uh, notion mm. of americanness but it's it's performative like all of it is fundamentally yeah. performative because it's just you know it's big and it's gaudy and it's yeah it's like what they want it's like what it is but it's not completely what it is and it's yeah. never going to be completely what it is and like you say he Michael can be as smart as he wants to be and as ahead of the game as he is, but ultimately that's what they'll always have on him, that he's not, mm. you know, he's not cut from that cloth. He's not, he's always going to be the son of an immigrant, you know, and that's, he's, America will never completely absorb them in the yeah. way that they would love to have. And it, yeah, I think it's sad. Also, the, the Las Vegas stuff is so interesting because there's even stuff with, what's his name? It's not. They're talking about Mo Green with Lee Strasberg. I can't remember what his character is called. Um, oh, uh, the, the Roth. Is it Roth? Roth. Thank you. Yes, yes, with Roth. And he's talking about Mo Green building Las Vegas from. It was just a stop for GIs, right? Mm, it was. Yeah. It was nothing, and he built it in the. I can't remember when. When it was like the thirties or I guess the forties probably. And I was thinking as well in that moment about the Irishman because there's a scene in the Irishman where they talk about Hoffa. I think talks about. The Teamsters built uh, Las Vegas because the only people who would lend them money to build casinos were the Teamsters because the banks weren't weren't willing to do it. Yeah, and it's just it's this it's interesting that that this kind of yeah this American maximalist icon was built by like Jewish people and Italians and truck drivers. Yeah, like, yeah, and and then and then and then they're locked out of it. Like that, even though they built it, they're then kind of and what what Roth says about Mo Green there's no statue to him there's no mention of him I do think yeah I think that there's there's not like a huge amount of it but there's some interesting stuff about other people who experience similar other kind of groups of people who experience mm. similar kind of things in America I mean there's some some interesting stuff very briefly where like Frankie says some like very racially questionable stuff and I'm like oh of course because I mean it's the same in the Sopranos right it's that mm. they they still feel that they are better than other people despite yeah. the fact that there's like a there's a nobility there's the like roman empire stuff there's this kind of this intrinsic thing that that they still feel that they are above despite the fact that american society treats them as if they are the same as yeah there's some interesting stuff about a different groups place in america 
and the way that starts to change yeah i guess during this time yeah the deviation of like the way in which different minority groups kind of pit themselves almost against each other and like Mm. you know see themselves as different or as better and yeah i think there's like there's probably some really interesting kind of stuff out there about the relationship between the kind of Italian community and the Jewish community. It's something mm-hmm. I thought about a lot when watching this and like it reminded Definitely. me of again of the Sopranos and like, you know, yeah. just yeah, how these kind of these two sort of communities oscillate and like, you know, relate to each other and interlink and kind of then again and then also have this kind of weird animosity and this like yeah you know they're all united by the common cause of the fact that you know white america will never entirely be open to them but yeah they don't see themselves as fighting a common enemy you know they Mm. they see themselves as separate yeah it's yeah it's fascinating I i also think that part of the thing in this one of them becoming of the the corleone family and the other Italians in the in the film becoming in in the more recent section of the film becoming more American is that they do become they're so much more individualist and they're so much more there's there's that loss completely of of community right mm. of any kind of unification under the idea of like we're all Italian we're all from the same place we all look after each other we look out for each other there's I mean it partly I think the end of, of the first one is obviously Michael turning on on all of the other bosses and and he makes that decision but even within the family like that they are all out for themselves in most part and they are resenting each other and there's no none of the the unity that you see even in the flashback right at the end where they're like around a table together there's never any of that i mean it's all just business it's just it's it's running a family like a corporation it's the more american they become the more splintered they become and and the more they lose that identity the more they kind of fracture and i mean even in the if you when you go back to the the bits with Vito, that he's in little italy and he's in and little italy is actually little italy it's incredibly italian and everyone there is italian and they do that uh procession down the street where everything's all decorated and it's all beautiful and everyone is taking part and everyone is like paisan and everyone is which just you know they've moved away from new york they've moved away from from that they've moved to nevada they've become so american and it's yeah it's it's just it's it's the assimilation but the massive amounts that they lose by assimilating yeah yeah absolutely because this not to be like flippant about it but ultimately these movies are just about like the dissolution of family about like 100 fundamentally yeah. Yeah. that's you know you cut everything else aside and it's like this is a story about people alienating themselves from the people who love them and mm. uh, you know vice versa and yeah isn't that like the most literal way to do that to completely alienate yourself from you know the culture that you grew up in the culture mm. that your family exists within and like you know conform to this kind of amorphous very kind of like very amusingly sort of tacky like aggressive like americana you know like casinos and like big houses and like big cars it's just it's so like it's so it's such a performance of like americanness you know it's american with a big capital a like it's just you know it's yeah it's it's yeah it's so desperate <laughs> you know yeah, it's such yeah. a it's such a clawing at it and yeah you just you lose 
the stuff that matters. You know, that's yeah. the thing that keeps, you know, keeps you grounded. Like, it's so yeah. funny that you, that you mentioned that procession, you know, the parade mm. and uh, that, you know, the fact that we see at the end of that scene is what we see is you know, Vito on the steps with the kids looking at Michael, yeah. looking at his yeah. son and, you know, saying... Your family loves yeah, you. Yeah, all of this yeah. is for you. Everything yeah. that I do, this is for you. Like, I yeah. am out here killing people. I am robbing people. I am mm. creating this entire, you know, ecosystem, essentially, from the yeah. ground up because I want you to have the life that I didn't have. Like, I yeah. want you to be able to, you know, thrive and grow and all of this is for you. And I don't think that that's kind of the issue isn't it that michael is not doing what he's doing really yeah. for the family like if he were to yeah. really think about his family you know this wouldn't be if he were to be really thinking about his family then the frodo stuff wouldn't happen you know it, no. it just it yeah it's such a clear alienation and deviation of generations mm. of past yeah. behavior but i mean there's even like even vito doing this for his family it's like well was that actually what you should be doing for your family? I mean, is that actually going to end up with them in a better place than you were in to start with? I mean, it's 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 this reaching for money and for power, and I'm not sure that that's actually what people need, right? That's not... And I mean, I obviously completely understand why when you're being fired because someone's son wants to, wants to take your job and you just have to deal with it, I completely understand the reasoning behind everything that he does but i guess there's a point at which the expansion is the problem right that that you could have this family and you could do kind of some petty relatively petty things and not have your hands in the senators and all of this kind of thing and you could be comfortably well off and that would be fine but it's it's a you found paradise in america thing it's the it's the you have to you have to have the most you have to have that's the American thing, right? It's the constant yeah, the kind need of, for more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. capitalistic thing more than capitalism, just American, baby. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay. So we've like we've done all our themes. We we got all the big <laughs> themes out the way. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, there was something I wanted to mention. Talking about all of this wealth stuff and this dressing up as Americans and all of this kind of thing about Roth, who is probably wealthier than than michael and then when michael goes to visit him in florida it's this like pretty small house and it's just him and his wife yeah. and he's sitting in front of the tv watching the baseball and that's such a different reaction to it right it, he's still certainly interested in making the money but he's not interested in making it in order to perform it yeah yeah in order to perform it in order to have this kind of flashy life he's doing it because he's a businessman and whatever his reasons are we don't spend a huge amount of time learning about him but it's such a different motivating factor to to do this than what michael has yeah totally um, yeah yeah and it's funny because they both do seem to have that businessman sensibility. Like mm -hmm. Clearly they're both driven by wanting to stay ahead of the game and wanting to come out on top in terms of mm. business arrangements. But yeah, it is interesting that he doesn't feel the need to kind of perform it in the way that the rest of them do. It's, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, maybe it's, it's something to do with degrees of division or how long he's been. Because I guess he is sort of, he's of a different generation yeah he's he's vito's vito's friend right yeah he's, exactly the, yeah. yeah i don't know i also th i wanted to just quickly talk about lee strasberg yeah because great. he's he's he was al's kind of idea this is when al is kind of 
flexing his movie star muscles a little bit and being <laughs> sure. like, hey, my very good friend who literally taught me how to act <laughs> might might be good for this this yeah. role and he's great. Um, yeah. yeah, he is great. And I do think it, it works so well in those scenes because Al does ha- certainly feel like you feel that reverential tone and it feels like someone who... He is someone who was friends with Vito and someone who Michael has presumably known for quite a long time mm. and has kind of grown up with in some sense and... I think that that dynamic works really well that there's the reverential thing there and like slightly scared of him but then also obviously always thinking about about the decisions he's making and not trusting him and yeah I yeah and I think Strasbourg is great he hadn't really done he's just to say who he is he was actor studio he was the acting teacher of the actor studio and kind of taught I mean uh, yeah taught Bobby I'm sure and taught all of these people and this kind of great teacher but hadn't really done a lot of acting himself I mean he was in I think one movie no, he wasn't. He was in one play before this, and then after this, he was in a couple of movies, but wasn't really uh, an actor in that way. I mean, he was in. He's also in *And Justice for All*. He's very good in that. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I think he's great, and I think it's it's. There's so many people. Every time someone shows up in this movie, I'm like, oh, it's it's, it's this you. person, like Bruno Kirby, <laughs> Bruno showing Kirby. up in the <laughs> oh. in the in the veto sections is so great is i didn't so realize happy. it was him and i like saw him and i'm like oh Aww. my good friend bruno kirby yes i know made me so happy just you the best um veto is such a shadow over michael in this movie and it is so much about michael failing according to other people to live up to his father and and michael trying you know constantly trying to just do what his father taught him and there's one scene where he goes to his mother and asks her like I know that he that his dad was strong for the family, but could he could he lose the family by being strong in that way? I mean, he does lose his family, but that's also by his own doing kind of thing. So it's kind of hard to he's such a yeah, he's so he's so hard to get through to, but I think that scene is so important to see what yeah. he's thinking about and that he is kind of despite all of the all of the how he acts with everyone else, the only person that he can act like himself with is his mother. The only person that he can kind of still be gentle and still be unsure yes, with yes. even even Kay he can't he can't be that person yeah maybe it's a a, a, a mothers of sons movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's secretly secretly a mothers of sons movie actually because I mean Kay and Anthony as well is definitely yeah definitely. oh little little poor yeah. little Anthony I love that he is called Anthony because I just Sopranos, I, Sopranos. yeah <laughs> I know, I know. I also, Anthony, the way the way Americans say Anthony, they're like Anthony. They Anthony. like do the the th, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, I just I hear Edie Falco in my head every time mm-hmm. I read that name. It's like Anthony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's makes me very happy. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Um, just oh yeah. One thing I wanted to say about the the structure of it and the way that they so they do they they start with um with Michael for about five seconds and then they switch to Vito as a kid and then switch back and forwards but it's not you see the whole act right you you spend an entire act with each person there's no kind of like oh we're gonna flip back and flip forward and flip back and I I really appreciate obviously this movie takes its time because it's extremely long but it's it's allowing each story room to breathe and not just kind of letting Vito be like because there's a version of this I think where you just you see flashes of Vito doing similar things to what Michael is doing, and it's like that's kind of the kind of ham fisted way of being mm. like, Oh yes, the son is similar to the father and you're like, Thank you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you let but Vito has his, his own has his own arc. Although I do think it's substantially less complex uh 
as a kind of character arc than than Michael's. Yeah. But it is it's kind of it's filling in the gaps and it's Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I think yeah. It, yeah, it's it's a lot more A to B. But mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I guess that, you know, in a way we're kind of meeting Vito properly for the first time in this movie. Definitely, yeah. You know, and even though, you know, we know Michael, we know who Michael is, we know how he got to be the person that he is and we kind of don't know that with him and it's, you know, yeah, it's filling in kind of the extra bits of the colouring book, you know, we're sort of, it's an addendum almost, you know, it's, yeah. you could probably, do you think that this movie, if it were just the Michael stuff, would be as interesting, do you think? Or do you think, not necessarily as interesting, but do you think that the two things could exist? Like, say he wanted to do, like, I don't know, think of it like, uh, you know, like your Lord of the Rings. It's like part <laughs> one and part two or whatever of yeah. Godfather 2. Do you think that they would work as individual pieces of stuff? Yeah. You know? Well, they did. They recut it for television. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they put Vito, the, the stuff with De Niro first, and then they, like, and then they put The Godfather, and then they put The Godfather 2. And... Ooh. I've read Al saying like it doesn't work <laughs> because that's not what the movies were made for. The Godfather Two is structured so that you you have those moments with Vito and then you go back to Michael. And I could even see like I don't know how it would cut together if it was just Michael, but certainly I think the Vito stuff makes the Michael stuff stronger because you have that direct line, you have that kind of direct comparison between the two of them, and and they're just kind of even just between De Niro and. Pacino, there's that someone I follow on Letterbox. I think her name is Vivian. I can link it in the show notes. She said this really great, like very short Letterbox reviews, which sometimes there are, and you're just like, wow, holy shit, like well done. Um, and it was the tender black eyes of the father morphing into the dead black eyes of the son, and that's like perfect, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. And it's again. it is it's that it's the fades between the two of them. It's the kind of the direct relation between the two of them that I think works so well and I yeah I do think the structure of it is so genius yeah, like yeah and because I also think like yeah you're watching Godfather 2 and you're just watching Michael it's just watching Michael become even more cold and even more detached than he is in the first one and I don't know that that's something that you want to sit with for like yeah two and a yeah, half hours yeah I don't know that's very true yeah and I was also thinking about sorry just no, just no, that, no, that now that this would be television yeah. Which is fine, but kind of sad. Yeah. Like, like any kind of anything that's this, just this Long kind form. of story that's so massive. Yeah. Like, yeah. you would immediately be like, "Great, it's a, it's a whatever it's seven se- season HBO yeah. kind of thing," which I, I'm sure I would love and I would be a big fan of. But yeah. Uh, yeah. there's something to it. I mean, even though the both movies are very long, that that it is contained yeah. in that way. Yeah, and it's you know finite. I suppose mm-hmm. you know. I think the thing about you know, this transition, as you say, like, from uh, film to TV, and I think Mm -hmm. it's, and it's so interesting, it reminds me a lot of when The Irishman came out, and Mm. there were all these articles that were Mm. like, how to watch The Irishman like it's a miniseries, because it's three hours long, and you're gonna need breaks, so here are the places in which you you can take a break, and you can come back to it, you know, after having your dinner or, like, dealing with your children or whatever and, like, start it again and then you can pause it here and then you can come back to it tomorrow. And, I mean, it's complicated because I'm, like, I know that this is a Netflix movie that Marty Mm. made it with Netflix, my friend Marty. He made it with Netflix. (laughs) And, but I don't think that he made it 
for Netflix with the idea that someone's going to sit down and watch it in chunks at home. No. Like, I don't think no. that if you're making a movie, if you are making a movie, you don't it's a movie. sit... It's a movie. Like, that's mm. what it is. And <laughs> it's a movie, that's what it is. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's so... They are fundamentally different things. Like, they are. Yeah. You know, it's to squish movies down into like you know it's like it's like it's the you know classic like oh we're not you know we're making tv but like uh, you know i see it as more of like a you know a seven hour film it's like no <laughs> you're making it's tv it's the, if you if you're making yeah, a seven yeah. hour film you're not making tv in the way that you think you want to make it like it's not yeah that's the, you know they're different things. They're different mediums. You can't like yeah. treat I mean, them it's... as the same thing, and it it pisses. It's me like off. it's people. People can spin entire series out of something that could be forty five minutes long. Yeah, and could be great if forty five minutes long. But they they spin it out longer because that's the kind of entertainment people want to consume now. They want to sit down and they want to watch something that's like yeah. that they can binge over a weekend and yeah. feel like they've done something. I, I mean I don't want to I don't want to like disparage like the way that people watch movies because and TV and stuff like that because I know that you know We've got li- the, the, people have lives yeah I'm not expecting... exactly and the environment is changed like the the environment in which people watch things is is so different mm. now even from when it was like yeah. last year and, yeah yeah and I obviously you know people have children I completely understand that you can't just sit down and like watch something that's like four hours long yeah. but also people who don't have children still do the same thing right like it's like yeah. the, the people who could who could feasibly sit down won't in the same way now and but i mean uh, there was also i was reading that there were complaints about this movie being incredibly long from the uh movie theaters because they could only put so many showings on <laughs> per day sure. and it actually might have been part of the reason why this movie didn't make as much money as the first one because they just physically couldn't, they couldn't put as many it. showings in one day that's yeah that's really funny that's so, that's so funny great. i love that <laughs> i mean just, it like, makes sense but it's just it. one of those things that's like yeah like it'd be so funny if they were like showing the godfather like the way that they do when like a new marvel movie comes out they're just like programming it in blocks it's like yeah yeah you're going to see the godfather 2 at like 10 past three and then yeah down the like down the road like halfway down the hallway there's somebody watching the godfather part 2 at like quarter past three yeah <laughs> yeah it's literally just packed in everywhere but, i mean there weren't the like, same kind of multiplayer i mean this is also the part of the thing of this like in the the history of uh cinema um <laughs> <laughs> but that this is this is i mean godfather is an early kind of a blockbuster and it's before jaws yeah. it's before star wars it's before these kinds of massively successful films and it managed to be massively successful. I mean, I'm sure this film is also very successful, but it didn't make as much money as the first one. Yeah. Do you have Frodo notes? Should we talk about Frodo? I do have Frodo notes. I do want to talk... Okay, we can just talk about briefly... There's one thing that happens where... So Frodo is, like, running kind of casinos for Michael and brothels and stuff like that. And there's one scene where the senator, who we meet in the first scene, is in this brothel and he... Well, he wakes up and the woman he had slept with is dead. Yeah. In a violent manner. And I still don't really know if she was killed by someone else and this was a way to kind of like get the senator, get something on the senator, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Or if he actually did it himself. 
I just thought I'm not sure which way around it is. But anyway. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good question, actually. Yeah. I hadn't even, I mean, I you know, obviously I'm aware of the scene. I hadn't really sort of, I think I sort of assumed that it was somebody else. Yeah, Weirdly. I think that's the vibe that, because I mean, he says that he doesn't remember doing it and yeah. all this kind of thing. I don't want to dwell too much on the like horrible yeah, violence. Dead prostitutes. But I, yeah, but I did just want to mention it in the context of when they're in Cuba, they go to this show that Fredo takes them to, and there's this woman who gets tied up, and this is part of the show. And I was, mm. I was like, that's exactly the same staging as with the woman who is killed by the senator or maybe not killed by the senator yeah. which made me think that it was staged yeah yeah was staged possibly yeah. by fredo because That's it's like referencing point. something that he's seen before yeah which i think is really interesting i mean i have no idea if that was on purpose or if it's just like iconography that like yeah. a woman in white getting tied up i understand that that's kind of a specific you know, yeah that's an a really image but good point good catch maddie well done yeah <laughs> I love that scene anyway. the The scene with the not the not the, <laughs> not, the, the, <laughs> the not the not the death, but the all of the stuff in Cuba. I I absolutely love. Yeah. I love that yeah, whole section of the movie, especially good. yeah, because I'm so interested in. I am not by any means a scholar, but I like Cold War stuff. I did want to bring up the scene where they, so Michael and Roth go to Cuba and they're talking about setting up casinos there, and they meet with I believe the president of Cuba. Yeah. And it's them and then General Fruit Company and like all of these corporate kind of entities. And I was just thinking about the involvement of all of the like thinking about the fruit companies and their involvement in kind of insurgencies in Latin America and stuff like this. And it's just like a very brief thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's yep. (laughs) That's what was happening at that time. Like American corporations just meddling with like these countries that would probably have been fine on their own and are still dealing with the kind of repercussions of what of what happened then yeah um but yeah i mean they're basically there during the revolution like it's beginning to happen when they get there and it comes to a head on new year's eve which is fantastic scene oh so good yeah and then they have to escape but it's also where michael finds out that fredo has been oh we haven't mentioned okay we we find out that fredo has been has been talking to roth and giving him information and he's been doing it through Johnny Ola, who is Dominic Chianese, who is Uncle June in Sopranos. Oh my god, of course he um, is. Wow. Which is just I literally great. didn't even like clock. That's so funny. Yeah. Laura's he's so good in it. Again. He is really good. He is really good. He's great. And I didn't I didn't uh, know who he was the first time I watched this, but yeah, then he's also in he's in Dog Day as well. He plays Al's dad very briefly in Dog Day, so oh, that's nice. Like, I love that. Great. Oh my god, all these guys. Which is great. They're all yeah. It. It's so it's also so wild that like Sopranos like references these movies so much and then they have like even like <laughs> the fact that they have Lorraine Lorraine Bracco from Goodfellas and they have yeah. Dominic Chianese who is in who's like acted opposite Al and they're like sitting there while like Silvio <laughs> is doing like Al. an impression. Oh. Yeah. It's so it. wild. It's yeah, that um, is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so the way that Michael finds out, well, I think he. I mean, I think that Michael kind of had guessed previously, right? Like, I do think that this is part of the thing of like Michael kind of knows mm. everything, but he has to have confirmation. And they go to this show, and Fredo has been tasked with entertaining like the senators and the judges, and Johnny Ola is is there, I believe, or maybe he isn't, but he's. You know, he's in yeah, Cuba at think, that time. I don't think he's there, but he like Fredo brings him up. Like that's the thing he says. Up. Like he he knew about this place because Johnny Ola showed it to him, and that's when that this is what Al has said is his favorite thing in the whole movie is where 
Michael just very quietly realizes uh, and just like oh internalizes. God. Yeah. And then he, he just puts his hands over his face. Oh, it's so it's... good. It's so good. I yeah, I made a note about that. I love that that's his like he's so stoic the whole time, the entire yeah. movie. With notable exceptions, he's so chill. But yeah. like when the realization hits him and he just yeah, like you say, he just like face hands. It's yeah. like, oh no. Like he can't Yeah. He can't you know, he that veneer is broken ever so Because no one's looking at him as well. Yeah. It's just it's just and oh, yeah. and and then he looks to his bodyguard and his bodyguard is like, Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just like this little tiny private moment of like grief. Mm. It's like oh It's great. It's and so then great. immediately after they shot that scene, Al went to hospital because he had exhaustion. <laughs> So this is the the long and storied history of Francis Ford Coppola almost killing his leading actors. Um, he had like pneumonia or something oh like that. God. I think Al did on this, so oh. he had to go to hospital right after oh. this. Um, Francis, honestly, yeah, I know. <laughs> Frankie, stop it, <laughs> please. But I do think I I said this I said this in the Godfather episode, but I do think that Coppola has an understanding of of actors that is just so innate and so wonderful and giving space to things like that to gestures like that and not requiring anything else kind of thing like just letting that have its space and you might even not catch it right like you might even not see that in that shot but you just let it happen and I mean there's also so much of like there's one scene where he where Al's talking to Frankie and he's back in the in the old Corleone house and he just sits down in this chair, but he sits down so slowly. He just like sits and then he slowly crosses his legs and yeah. there's just the threat. Like he's just embodying threat. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just, yeah. and I do think, yeah, Michael is so, it's the shark thing again. It's, he's just, he's just threat as a, yeah. like a, as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also was thinking about the way that the Americans react to him going back again just to the to the early scene where he's meeting people and the comparison between the way that like the senator and the way that Connie's fiance react to him in comparison to like the Italians who are so much more respectful and obey by all of the laws and like would never I mean for example like Connie's fiance is like can I get a drink to Michael and it's like what are you doing why would (laughs) you ask him that He's not yours, like, that's just yeah. so far beyond the pale. But yeah. that they don't know the gestures and they have no interest in the gestures and they have no understanding of, like... of Because uh, I, I do think that Michael Michael's power is is more apparent amongst other Italians and that, oh, and that yeah. they understand, you know... Yeah. They understand what he's capable of and what he has power over in a way that the Americans don't really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And then, oh yeah, just to go back to Cuba, the the scene at New Year's is just beyond perfect. Every so every my my hot take is like every perfect movie has a pivotal scene yeah. at New Year's. Like it's just <laughs> that's true. That's a really good point. New Year's is just like a wonderful. You it's know. the best holiday. Yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it's you... about old friends, man. It's about old friends. It literally <laughs> is. It's about old friends. You have to remember to not forget them. It's it's. Uh, yeah, I love New Year's and I I love, I New, love Year. New Year's and movies and I love this scene also. It's just it's... so like I love that every I love that it it's I love that the the key kind of interaction between 
Michael and Frodo happens in the midst of all this, you know, chaos, you know, and it's like they have this moment that they can yeah. on- they can only have this moment amongst noise and like, mm. you know, when they're only in the moment where they know that where he knows that it won't be seen, like heard, it won't be heard yeah, or yeah. seen. It's like it's it's so intimate despite all the chaos oh, it's, going yeah. on around them. It's just it's so well done because it's like, yeah, yeah. of course this is what it takes for these two people to be like emotionally honest and open and like clear with each other about their intentions. They have to be surrounded by like the cacophony mm. of celebration and of happiness. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just really good. It's great. And I mean, again, just the gesture thing, like uh, kiss. the way, the way Al like, <laughs> like he, fully grabs his face. He grabs him he kisses him and then he pulls him away and he's like holding on to yeah. his face and oh. you can see the strain in his hands and it's just oh. so good it's, it's just so good it's so good and it's such a it's so it's so funny that he's like he's like standing slightly higher than he is and so he yeah. sort of like has to lean kind yeah. of down because obviously he's he's shorter than he is and it's like yeah. this very like and he like pulls it's like there's such motion in it you know it's, yeah it is it's so funny that we you know we spend this whole time talking about like the shark thing and it's mm. like he he does strike like a shark like, yeah it's like he just, yeah he's in there he like yeah. kind of grabs him and like tosses him around and it's so yeah it's so violent it reminds me of uh that great scorsese quote about the age of innocence and him being like mm. it's like it's actually it's my most violent movie everything that happens in this movie is violent but it's like yeah touch is violent and like yeah you know yeah. the absence of touch and it's that's <laughs> the age of innocence <laughs> i reread the 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 there's an interview he did with roger ebert about it and i reread it uh last night and i was like oh. maybe i just have to watch the age of innocence like best. now at like 2 a.m like maybe i just have to do that <laughs> oh god so but no good. totally it's the most violent things are the the conversations and the 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 hurt that they do to each other it's not yeah. you know yeah. people getting shot um and i mean even like the people getting shot if we want to i guess <laughs> talk jump about people to... getting shot <laughs> yeah, but no go. well no just like when fredo when fredo gets shot it's quite peaceful i mean mm, yeah he gets his kind of semi-peaceful death, despite the fact that he's he's killed by his brother. I mean, not by not directly by his brother, but <sighs> yeah. And and I mean, even b- before that, the the whole this movie is about Fredo and Michael, really. Like it's yeah, it's, it it's about them, and especially the back half. Like it's about Michael not knowing what to do about Fredo and not knowing how to deal with this betrayal, and at first pushing him away. And trying to solve it that way, and and saying that nothing nothing can happen to him until my mother is dead, right? That's Fredo's protection is that Michael doesn't want to disappoint his mother, yeah. their mother. And then that conversation they have in I don't think it's it's like that that room that's so beautiful with the the all the windows yeah, facing water this, and yeah, it's I like assume a study it's like kind of is it like Fredo's home? Like I'm I lose, I guess it must be yeah, yeah like. And and Fredo is sitting in this chair that's so like reclined and he's just so prone almost. He's just so yeah. like and and so vulnerable and like doesn't sit up at any oh. point, which I think is an amazing yeah. choice by Katali to just be like it's almost like you know when dogs roll over and they're like being submissive and it's that kind of, it's like so just showing his belly, he's just like open to whatever Michael wants to do kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, he's so it's just really such a great nice. yeah, it's such a great 
it's so character good. thing. I love that scene. So I love that scene. So I love. It's the, amazing when he's like, you know, when he's when Frodo kind of breaks, like when he starts kind of really getting, you know, into the sort of, you know, he's very panicky and very sort of flustered. Yeah. And like you say, the whole time he's sort of surrendering. But I love when he's like you're my you're my kid brother like you're my yeah. little brother and yet you're the one that has to take care like it's you know, yeah yeah you have to take care of me like I'm the one that should be taking care of you but like it's this you know it's such a it's such a real feeling like as a as a older sibling yeah with a competent younger sibling I, I really <laughs> I feel that very deeply I like to to this weird dynamic of being like having the baggage of being the older child and having mm. this you know younger sibling who is you know more competent than you and you know for, for a number of reasons it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're you know just that their skill set is something that isn't also your skill set yeah you know and feeling inadequate because of that and feeling like you should be the one that's like Stepping up to the plate. This episode mm. is really becoming very therapy <laughs> for the both of us, isn't it? We're just talking about our families, which I guess is, you know, makes sense. But that's what this movie is. I, I yeah, I spent the entire time thinking about that, about especially, especially with with Michael and Vito and with Michael and Fredo, and then a little bit with Connie as well. I mean, there's even the scene with with her talking to Michael near the end, where where she's like, "I understand now. I understand." why you acted like this I know that you were trying to take care of me and and she says that she was acting out in some way to hurt him right that she was yeah. she was hurting herself to hurt him and that's such a real thing as well that yeah. that, that yeah. people do yeah but yeah and then yeah so after after their mother dies Michael kind of during the funeral he Connie comes to him and Connie asks him to come back and come to see Fredo and he does and he like I don't know if he does he hug him I think he hugged him yeah he he, sort of, um, he kind of holds him it's not yeah. like you know it's it's not quite a hug it's sort of just like a I don't know like the saddest little embrace <laughs> yeah yeah and then and I think that's also after is that after Kay has left um, we should talk about Kay yeah as we well, should but, we should give Kay some time yeah, but I also think I think that Fredo and and Anthony their relationship is also really interesting, and that Fredo spends time with Anthony near the end and is like, yeah. you know, just kind of chilling and just hanging out with his his little nephew, and and he says in in Cuba as well, he says that he wonders if maybe he should have married someone and had kids and okay. kind of settled down, and he doesn't get the chance to do that, right? Like it's it's just Aww. it's so sad. Oh, Fredo, Fredo. So Fredo, there's like this. I think at the beginning, someone I can't. I think it might be Connie says Fredo has a good heart, or maybe it's maybe it's Tom actually. I think you someone. About Tom either, I, I know. But, I definitely know the line that you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, and I'm like, he does have a good heart. Like he he's does. kind of an idiot, but he wants kid. the best. Like he's yeah. he's just yeah. trying. He's trying as well. We trying. can't all be like. It's so funny to bring again. I'm going to talk about succession, but it's yeah. Uh, you know, you can't be you know being that like sibling that's like ostensibly sort of a third. It's uh, funny. I'm I'm now realizing that the sibling uh like distribution of gender uh, is the same for the royal mm -hmm. family and the royal yeah. family. <laughs> that's fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you can't. Sometimes you just like you learn that you you can't be the like. You know, I think in a way with dynamics like this, there can be, there's like, it's like there's one sibling 
that has to be like the kind of power player in a sense mm. you know it's like you have this one you are the one that takes charge and sometimes it's the oldest but not always and mm. you know it's like it's like he's waiting for his turn to kind of step into the ring almost it's like okay, yeah. well, it was sunny and now it's michael and eventually it'll like maybe eventually it'll be me like maybe yeah. i'll get you know my moment or maybe i'll be asked to do something or be asked to step up to the plate and it just doesn't it doesn't happen for him it just and he yeah the roth thing is him trying to take initiative right like that's him trying yeah. to do something that yeah that he's told will be good for the family and will be good for michael by extension and i, I think michael doesn't understand that even though it's it's it what frodo was doing was not the right thing to do he michael can't make the leap to realize that he's doing it because he loves him and that he wants he's doing it because he he wants michael's approval and he wants to be like yeah. useful and yeah 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 so sad it's like, <laughs> yeah it's like the most ruthless thing he does and it's so even in its ruthlessness it's so pathetic like it's such mm. a it would be such a bold move if it were coming from anybody other than Frida. yeah <laughs> because it's just he when he finds that when he has to kind of beg forgiveness essentially yeah it does become so clear that it's like well if he didn't do this what's he like is he gonna just end up in you know in nevada like yeah doing running like, some casino like yeah, yeah doing like... the shit jobs for the rest of his like if he doesn't do this he can't do anything he's never gonna get yeah, to yeah. be you know the kid in charge like he's just he's been he's been skipped over and it's yeah it feels like such a rational response to that to be like okay yeah. well i'm gonna do the the biggest flashiest thing and you can't stop me and it uh, it's so sad it's just desperately sad it's so miserable i do think also like it's like that michael can't he sees weakness in other people and he doesn't see it as a thing to empathize with he sees it and i think almost partly because he has had to be infallible mm. and be this kind of pillar right this this statue and and his kid brother no his kid brother his <laughs> there you go i'm doing that um and but fredo gets to be ridiculous right like he he gets to do this thing and michael can't and i'm sure there's in some ways a, a jealousy there that that michael has had that chance taken away from him and that he can't be that person anymore and because of that he can't handle yeah he can't handle fallibility in other people yeah and and can't understand why someone would be fallible, right? Because if he can turn it off, then why can't everyone else, right? Like that, I think that's the yeah the thought process. Yeah, totally. And I mean, he's Michael is so ascetic. Like he's just very. He doesn't drink. He all he does is smoke. Like that's his only vice. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't spend time with other women. Yeah. None of that, right? He he smokes and he does his job and he thinks about things. But I guess yeah. On that note, I guess should we talk a little bit about? the yeah, yeah it's because yeah it's interesting mm. that you um that you say that like he doesn't he doesn't have any like other like you say he's very aesthetic he doesn't mm. drink he doesn't smoke he smokes but he doesn't cheat on his wife and like that mm, feels like such which is a, important yeah that feels like such an important detail for me like the fact that he's surrounded by all these men who are just like you know lascivious and obsessed with women and like he that it, it never even like he's not even like it's not like he's even interested in any <laughs> he's just not interested no no in... it's he's he's interested in the business and in the success but he doesn't really get pleasure from that either he's just uh yeah it's it's hard to know what 
what drives him and until you kind of realize that he obviously loves his family when when the stuff with Kay happens but yeah it's there's nothing there's no passion to him and in the way that we were talking about Sonny in the last one is Sonny is all passion yeah. and Michael is so the opposite of that yeah. um but yeah he's not got any of the I mean he probably does have this like urges right but he's just completely overpowered like he's not a human anymore right he's he's a he's a robot he's yeah. just yeah shark man <laughs> yeah yeah he's just yeah like a little little shark just floating around it yeah. yeah it is yeah it is so funny that distribution of like you know the fact that the rest of the the sort of siblings are so engaged in you know vice in some form mm. you know they've all got their you know wasp partners and Sonny's cheating on his wife and uh, mm. you know Connie is like philandering in Europe and it just yeah it's so funny yeah. that he is such a saint like he's so mm. so solitary and so isolated and I wonder I do wonder like the relationship between him and Kay and I suppose mm. the subplot with Kay and the you know the miscarriage that eventually becomes an abortion mm. it you just you wonder like how that even kind of came about in the first place you know what I mean like yeah. it feels so their relationship at this point feels so transactional it feels mm. so like devoid of anything that they once had I mean that's you know that's the end of the first movie is him shutting her out like literally yeah. and you know literally and figuratively shutting her out and saying this yeah. is I've made my choice and I choose yeah. this I don't choose you mm. but she's still along for the ride like you know I think I suppose that you do see moment like you know there's the scene of them in the bedroom before the assassination attempt where they're kind of oh I love that scene we haven't talked about that yeah scene. we haven't that talked about great. that scene which is great and you know there's moments of I suppose an intimacy like they are literally intimate yeah know, in that they're in this room by themselves and I think that like I said earlier she is kind of the only one that gets to see him at an emotional peak I suppose mm. uh you know at least more than one occasion she's the one that is on the receiving end of him you know exploding in a way and yeah. no one else really gets that and it's almost like th it's like their relationship is kind of it's like when you hear about like certain kind of when you think about certain couples or it's like such a cliche of like uh, the media idea of like a husband or wife where it's mm, like mm -hmm. they've been married a while and like the intimacy is still there but like the chemistry isn't there and so they're kind of just like regressing into the sort of like old married couple mode where it's like yeah yeah we talk to each other but that's kind of it like we don't we sort of exist in the same realm but we're not like the connection isn't there we don't yeah. connect so in the same way they're going through the motions, right? Yeah. Like they're just they're doing what they're supposed to do, but it's not because there's anything there, right? They're they're not there's no passion between them, there's no I mean, I'm sure they love each other in some way, but there's no kind of like romantic love, I suppose, in that way. They're like flatmates. Like it's like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. who who raise children together. Yeah. Like I, I mean together is kind of but yeah. um it's like But those, yeah, no, I yeah. It's like those um those like I don't, I think it's, you know, how in, like, I think it's Japan, you can, like, rent a wife. Like, if you're going to an <laughs> event, like, you can be like, yeah. this is my wife. And, like, the company will provide you with, like, a woman. So yeah, like, yeah. Hello, I am their wife. Like, it's yeah. like that. He's, like, rented a wife. He's, like, this no, is, totally. you know, for the for the appearance of it, you know. Yeah. He has a wife because because men have to have wives, right? And yeah. because he has to have children. And he's has to have an heir and 
And I mean, I do. We've talked about the Sicily thing in, in the first one a lot, but <laughs> now I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, well, maybe that's like that's when he had a passionate relationship with someone that he yeah, kind of had that true. real chemistry with, and yeah. and the relationship with with Kay is is more. I don't know. It seems like they they at least get on okay with each other, but it it doesn't seem like that there's any kind of spark there. And I don't know if there ever is. I mean, even in the yeah. first one, like they they're kind of cute together, but I don't know if there's that kind of same thing. Yeah, it's sort of it's so interesting because in the first one, it seems like she's like his girlfriend, like in yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. like very much it. It's like she's his girlfriend, like yeah, he's you know bright eyed and fresh out of college, and she's like yeah, a, they're both young people. Like it doesn't yeah. feel like a a relationship that like should like stand the test of time at least not while they're both the people that they are initially yeah definitely and uh, yeah it's funny that it it does become so drawn out and especially yeah I think maybe this is like maybe this is us sort of (laughs) talking ourselves (laughs) into liking the Sicily stuff despite being noted haters of the Sicily stuff but now I'm like well maybe yeah maybe that is it maybe it's like well he tried to have a real relationship with somebody, an actual passionate, genuine relationship with, mm. you know, a love that is not just practical. And it literally yeah. blew up in front of his face. So mm. he's like, nope, not going to do that again because this is, you know, this is what happened. And he's like 25. Yeah. And something yeah. horribly traumatic yeah. happens Imagine to if, his wife. Yeah, I'm nearly 25. If I was yeah. dating somebody and then they blew up, I would like be like well you would never date anyone again (laughs) right like you would just be like well maybe not but i just yeah i also just thought that i mean that apollonia is also italian right and and in the way that that vito and and mama colioni both are very certainly italian and mama colioni only really speaks italian until this one and that maybe that's something that maybe that that these these kids are all dating these Americans and these Americans don't understand them and they can't grasp the world and they can't, like, mm. you know, there's no reaching across and trying to understand. I mean, at one point, I think when they're arguing, Kay says it's this Sicilian thing and that's what she calls, yeah. like, you yeah. know, which is just, she's so removed from it and she doesn't understand it and she doesn't, there's no kind of, she's not folded in and, and Michael doesn't welcome her in. I mean, it's not just her fault. It's, it's you know, neither of them are kind of yeah. meshing their worlds together, which I think is certainly something that people can do because obviously people date people from other countries and it works <laughs> very well. But yeah, I think that maybe is part of it, the, the lack of kind of cultural understanding between the two of them Yeah. as well. Oh, damn it. We've done it. We've like talked each other <laughs> into it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually great. <laughs> that makes loads of sense. Oh, pull one out for Apollonia, man. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. For the I still think that she could be she could be an actual character. But... Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I still don't think she's a person, but I guess she's yeah. a she's a good symbol. She's for, interesting like, as a symbol. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The idea of an actual romance. So good for her. You know, better yeah. than nothing. Better than just being an exploding girlfriend. So. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, yeah, the the rest of the K stuff in this movie is kind of just a bummer, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously yeah. in this in this movie, which is just a series of <laughs> consecutive bummers, this is yeah. you know yeah. another one. This is particularly. I found I didn't I didn't have as much of a hard time this time, but the first time I watched it, I had a really hard time with the 
the scene in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, I, not not because there's anything wrong with it, but just I find it really like hard to watch Obsessing. these two people arguing with each other. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the the kind of use of the word abortion in that way in so like a way is like a, to attack Michael yeah. is like very. It's an interesting choice to have made, I think, mm. and and is certainly hits. And and it kind of it's kind of awkward. Like it's as a, even just as a word, it's I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's just puts a knife through the whole thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I get what you mean. It's clumsy in a way. It, mm, it feels mm-hmm. like it feels so clinical. You know, like yeah, it's, yeah. Because it's you know the gravity of something like that is it's like trying to like. It's like trying to explain a feeling, you know what I mean? Mm, like, you're mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, she can say she got an abortion, but it's about, like, everything that comes with that, like, the mm, weight mm-hmm. of everything that is associated with that. But the actual, the actuality of it is, you know, surgical and clinical and yeah. mundane, and that's what the word refers to. The word doesn't refer to the thing that she is taking away from Michael, which is legacy and which is an heir and like, you know, yeah. the idea of a a concrete family unit, a more concrete yeah. family unit. And yeah, you're right. It's such a, yeah, hearing it delivered in the way that she, I mean, she Diane Keaton does a great job in this movie with very yeah. little to, yeah. not very little to do, but very little to kind of hang a hat on in terms of yeah, definitely. You know, plot involvement. But it, yeah, it's really... And it's interesting because I suppose this is, in a way, kind of... It's funny when you think about her and you think about Connie and you think about Mm. the women in this movie and it's like, well, this is the power that they have. They have their bodies and they have their Mm. marriage, their hand, you know? Like, Mm. that's what they can wreak in this world, you know? Connie can flaunt a divorce or the idea of a divorce and show Mm. up, you know, at her party with her, like idiot wasp boyfriend <laughs> yeah and like have that be her lashing out and yeah. Kay can lash out through choosing to exert her own power over her body and have that be yeah. the thing that is destructive in destructive to the thing that Michael evidently cares about more than mm. anything mm. in the world which is family and yeah yeah that's how they have to kind of, they have to kind of express themselves through these like very stereotypically feminine very stereotypically mm. female means because like you yeah. know they don't have it's to the do... only way to get through to him it's the only way they have to do something like this because he's not going to hear them otherwise mm. right they have it has to be something huge in mm. order to get through to him because everything he deals with is huge right and and i mean it seems the way he he treats k is as if he can just kind of ignore her and it will be fine right yeah. like she's just i married her that's done i don't have to think about that anymore like that's all sorted she's at my right hand all of this kind of thing and she has to in order to be noticed by him in any way she has to do something like this and yeah. it's it's rough it's rough yeah and and i mean the, the way he reacts to it as well i mean the reaction to he obviously cares about losing her but what he really cares about is losing his children mm. I mean, that's the thing. And he doesn't lose his children. I mean, what he says is he'll exert all of his power to stop that from happening. And what and at that point, he's saying to stop her leaving him, but he doesn't stop that happening, but he does stop her taking the children away. Mm. And she has to kind of come and visit and do these kind of little things. And again, it's these, like, avoiding him. It's the same as Fredo. He's just like, if I can't literally 
murder these people, then I will cut them out and pretend that they don't exist anymore, basically, yeah. right? Like, it's just, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. miserable. <laughs> so <laughs> depressing. But yeah, it is, it is so interesting that that's the way that they assert, the way that she asserts her power is so, it is something that only a woman can do or at least in the context mm. of this it's as a person with a womb like this is what she <laughs> yeah. can do in this instance because she exists as a woman in the space and she has no power over yeah any of the other things yeah. that michael cares about and so this is the she's like well this is it this is all i can yeah. do i have to and in a way she suffers from it just as much as he does you know yeah. it's a yeah. self-immolating thing as much as Definitely. She may, we obviously don't get to spend a lot of time with her interiority, but mm. for all we know, it might have been really excruciating to go through something like that. You know, mm. whether or not she yeah. wanted the baby is another thing, but to experience, to experience that kind of physical upheaval is a lot. And, yeah. you know. And I mean, to be doing it, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, your husband should be emotionally there for you yeah. for that that's something like that right like that's kind of basic but that he's so that they're so not a unit mm. that she exists so separate to him and you know and is a and is able to have an abortion without anyone <laughs> yeah noticing kind mm. of thing i mean obviously they notice but it's that she's just so apart from 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 him yeah and so not and he's he doesn't yeah again he doesn't fold her into anything she's not part of the business she's not part of anything she's just like kept in this compound to keep her safe and that's and she's just like yeah she's 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 not a whole person to him yeah i mean i don't know if anyone is a whole person to him i i think they're all just you know people to move around yeah as he needs them yeah rather than to to yeah yeah yeah. It's depressing. <laughs> it is. It's such a bummer. I don't know. What's fun? What can we talk about this fun? Well, we can talk about Vito because we haven't spent much uh, time with him. Yeah, we haven't. Let's talk about Vito and his little shirts. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, he gets fun. Like, he get, he's the kind of thing. <laughs> One of my notes just says Italian caper music, which is like. <laughs> some... the, oh my god. So the, the Don that he. Uh, that Vito is kind of misplacing and then eventually kills in New York is such a cartoon villain. <laughs> I know! He's so, like, moustache twirly, like, yeah. in a little cape and a little white hat. And he's so... It's so fun. It's Like, great. that's... It's, that's, like... Yeah, that's the kind of, like, the basic representation. But it's also, like, he's evil in a way that's just ridiculous, yeah. right? Like, yeah. his his evil is just, like, he's just an idiot kind of thing. But, like, an <laughs> idiot with some power over people. Like, yeah. oh, it's so funny. And, and I mean, scenes when they're sat opposite each other where, like... It's so uh, funny. Where Vito is just sitting there and this... this I don't actually know who plays him, but he's great. He, he should great. be, like, a, like, a, like a, a sketch comedy actor. But, like, he's just <laughs> sitting there and he, like, has this little tiny cup of coffee, like an espresso, presumably. And he's, like, all, like, business and flash and, like, all of this kind of thing. And he, like... And Vito's just sat there and he's doing, you know, the same as Michael. It's the quiet power. It's the, I know better than you and I've thought of ten steps ahead from you. Yeah. So I don't even need to engage with this whatever nonsense you're talking about. Like, I can <laughs> yeah. just watch you and be kind of slightly amused by how ridiculous you are. Like... Yeah. It's, it's so just, funny. it's so funny. It's so funny. And I love that it essentially, 
climaxes over like <laughs> like a landlord dispute. Yeah, like, it's yeah. So funny. It's just like this old lady who is just like, I'm being evicted, and he's like, Well, we something must be done about. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so small. Snakes. Man of the people, Peter yeah. Coglione. It's great. It's I great. love it. I love. Yeah, I love how small stakes it is. Panucci. Yeah. That's his name, right? His name is Gaston Mus Mushin. Machine, sure, which is sure, great. great. I, uh, yeah, he he seems to literally just like be in Italian movies, which That's is great. great. I, yeah, I truly know. We should mention that that Bobby learned Sicilian. He did for this movie, and sure I don't, is. I don't know how Italian is supposed to sound. I'm not going to pretend that I do, but he is fantastic. <laughs> He's great, and he it's... is yeah, and he was the first actor to win an Oscar. For a performance largely not in the English language, which is mm-hmm. wild, but and it's not a language that he's yeah, it's crazy, yeah. it's crazy. That's that's a testament. I mean, that's one of those things where you like you realize that he's doing that, and you're like, doing okay, the work. Bobby's that's, doing the work. That's yeah, that's that's <laughs> real effort. That's like because I mean, Michael. I mean, Al speaks a little bit of Italian in different bits, but not in the same not in the same way. Not the the whole performance, and and his Italian is broken anyway. And it's yeah, exactly. To be. It's not native Italian. Or yeah, meant to be native Italian. And um, and I mean, yeah, the voice, the voice is. I know I've already said this, but the yeah. voice is so incredibly the done. The voice is so great because it. Yeah, it, I. Yeah. It's so impressive. It's so, and I love how he he uses it like when he uses it as mm, well because mm-hmm. there are moments where he sounds less like Brando yeah but yeah. the moments where he really sounds like him are so like carefully chosen yeah and so you know he's it, it, like you say in that scene with Panucci uh, where he's like sitting there and like just like looking at this ridiculous ridiculous man <laughs> and he's yeah. just like you know he's just like yeah he's like okay yeah sure course like you know, yeah yeah oh, good I'm that so, like quiet that yeah, real uh, yeah it's so it, it's like everything he says is almost a whisper like it's yeah it reminds, and you lean forward to yeah, listen to him I'm about it's to really say, yeah. it reminds me of there's that line in the great gatsby where it's like it says that daisy would talk very quietly to ensure that people mm. would lean into her and like would mm. you know, want to sort of be inside with it to feel like they were with yeah. something like listening to yeah. something important and you know to encourage people to engage properly to like really be focused it's 100%. yeah it's such a it's so great it's so it's so great. it's such a it's such a perfectly pitched performance i think like it's it's just exactly right it's exactly what you need he can be threatening when he needs to be threatening and he can be so kind of tender when he's with his wife and his children and he can be all of those things and then it's the same as it's the same kind of thing as what brando was doing but i personally think he's better um yeah, <laughs> like it's 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 the being lots of different things and and the thing that michael can't do which is to to be who he needs to be for his family and who he needs to be for the family right mm. like vito can do all of it and and be a good dad as well yeah. and and a good husband yeah. um yeah he's just great he's great he bobby is. d bobby the best d. Roberto, you want to like, what, yeah, you want to talk about him and Al for a bit, like the two of them as a... Leah, let's. I have I have something written down about about them. Let me find it. I think I've said before, but um, they were kind of talking to each other, right? They were like kind of hanging out on on occasion as they became stars because they had dealt with the same things. And so this is this is Al talking about De Niro. He says. 
He and I have been through similar things. There was a period of my life when it was very important that I get together with somebody I could identify with. Bobby's always very quiet. It's an inherent thing. He does talk with me, though. Aww. Just just nice. Nice friends. Nice, nice friends. friends. I like my nice friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, before doing this, I went over that um, the GQ interview that they did. Love. Season, love. Which is love great. the GQ interview. Um, and I love that it literally is like, interviewer asks question. And then uh, Al, it's like a paragraph. And then <laughs> Bobby says like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love also when it's like, I think there's like a video of it, it's not with the whole thing, but there's like a brief video of it, and Al kind of like says all of this stuff, like turns to Bobby, and Bobby kind of looks at him, and he's like, so did that, did, did like, and Al's like, did you do that as well? And Bobby's like, mm, not really. <laughs> and then Al is like, well, and then Al like launches off again, and it's just, it's so good. It's so good. I love, I love Bobby so much. He's, he's so great in all of these like early 70s movies and so different in all of them but I also just find him so charming as like a person I just think he's yeah. so interesting because he's like this kind of shy like yeah he's I don't so know great. I, love I think him. that makes that makes it that makes the kind of actor so much more interesting to me when they are like less willing to kind of show all of themselves yeah in interviews and stuff like that like I think that's yeah and it's and also like that's his actual personality he's not just being like <laughs> you know like annoying yeah. yeah yeah and it's I think we may have, we probably discussed this on the pub before, or at least mm. between you and I, but I suppose that the thing is you sort of can't do that anymore. Like actors mm. can't really be like that anymore. You have mm. to, you, at least you have to make a very conscious effort to not be like that, you know, because yeah. your fucking movie studio will want you to be tweeting about whatever movie you're in. Like, you know, you yep. can't, you can't, you know, have that divide anymore because everything is so public and actors are so public and you have to be a personality as much as you have to be an actor mm. to, to be successful anyway, at least to the level that they were in their prime and kind of still Definitely. are in some capacity. I think Bobby more so. Obviously, Al kind of doesn't work as much anymore. But yeah, yeah, it's it's such a different beast now. And I think that that is, you know... It's something I think about a lot because obviously you and I both love actors from this period and movies from this mm. period so much. And, you know, it's something about the fact that there is an interesting life going on on screen and there's an equally interesting thing happening off screen. But it happens, it feels, it all feels so intangible, I think, you mm. know? It feels so, you know, because you're reading about it in books or you're listening to people tell it in documentaries, but you're not. It's not like it was like, well, you know, one day uh, Al tweeted this thing that people were really upset about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not like, you know, oh, somebody found Warren Beatty on Raya or something, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, God. You know, <laughs> like, it's... Get me on Raya to find Warren Beatty. <laughs> oh, my God. I was actually, yeah, no, yeah. I think... But, but totally, I think, like, the, the way that everyone is constantly consuming media right now right like that like twitter included like all of this stuff is is just media and and there's whole industries whose jobs are to take uh kind of invasive photographs of like celebrities and everyone enjoys seeing them and you know all of this kind of thing and like that there certainly were paparazzi like in the 70s but and there certainly were like you know stories about al dating so and so and de niro dating so and so and all of this kind of thing but like you still have the fact that like Al was living in New York City in an apartment 
and hanging out at restaurants and all of this kind of thing. And now it's like someone that big would be in a gated community, like yeah, in Los Angeles. Go anywhere. Like, yeah. yeah, it would just be impossible to, to do anything. And I mean, obviously, like I said, like he did have that a little bit on this movie with like people following him around, but I'm sure not anywhere near to the extent that yeah. that happens now, especially because like, how would you find out where he was other than if yeah. there was like a piece in a newspaper, like it wouldn't be like, oh, he's like tweeted a picture and we can like, you know, the way that fans can do now, yeah. I, I'm thinking specifically about One Direction, but fans of a lot of people, <laughs> but like, that will like triangulate the location of the house that these people are staying in based yeah. on the picture that they've taken. And yeah. Yeah, it's wild. That's actually, I'm really glad you brought up that um, their dating history because... <laughs> Um, I have devised a game. Oh! Yes, this is my surprise for you. Wow, I'm so excited. As you may know, uh, one of my favourite pastimes is uh, to go and have a look at people on Mm -hmm, mm whosedatatwo.com. It's a wonderful website. It's an invaluable resource uh, for the community. And so I have created a little game. I'm going to... Name some girlfriends, some rumoured or confirmed girlfriends, and I yeah. would like you to tell me whether they were dated by Robert or by Alfredo. <laughs> I'm okay? excited. I think I'm going to do well, but I don't want to shoot my shot I too I think early. you're probably going to do well, mostly because they they both have interesting dating histories, but I think Bobby's is infinitely more interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, but I have, like, tangential things for the things that I think will be easy for you. So Okay. So this will be fun. So let's Please, I'm excited. Let's start Go with ahead. let's start with an easy one. Who okay. um so Diane Keaton. <laughs> Al Pacino. Yes, well done. Ding ding ding. Yay. But No, I have to put ding sounds in, in the edit. Oh my god, sorry, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> but can you name two other Diane Keaton Absolutely others? I can. <laughs> okay. Warren Beatty and, and Woody Allen? Correct. Those are the two that I think of. Yes, but can you can you name another, a recent, or at least somebody who is more famous oh, to people Keanu? in our lifetime? Yes, Keanu. <laughs> Keanu is the answer I was looking for. Thank That's you. my favourite rumour. That like makes both of them better <laughs> somehow. Know, right? like, it's it just really great. does. It's great. I'm, I hope that, that is true also. Just because, you know, I just, I think I'm like not entirely on the Keanu train. I know some people love Keanu. No, yeah, I'm not as, as I'm, kind of up on I'm him, Keanu, yeah. like Keanu ambivalent, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I like the idea of, I think, yeah, him, like you say, the idea of him dating Diane Keaton makes him much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, next up we have Uma Thurman. Oof. Bobby. Correct. Yeah, because they did a movie together. That's why I'm thinking. Oh, about. yeah. What movie? Do you know the movie? Uh, uh, God, is it called Mad Dog and Glory? I Possibly. Know. I have no idea. But it's with it's with a uh, God. What's his name? Fucking Ghostbusters man. What's his name? <laughs> Which one, <laughs> Maddie? There's three Ghostbusters. There's four Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Rushmore, etc. What's his name? Bill Murray. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I sometimes that I just have like a block. And I just can't. Yeah, Bill Murray, thank I'm you. Like, Matt, Maddie, there's four Ghostbusters. And it's <laughs> very rude that you don't remember. I could pull Dan Aykroyd, but I can't pull Bill Murray for some reason. <laughs> Jesus That's Christ. Um, yeah, Bill Murray is also in that uh, movie. Anyway. Great. Okay, next up we have Ashley Judd. <laughs> uh, that feels like a Pacino 
of her teenage life. You are incorrect. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it is rumored. It is like it's got the little asterisks that it has okay. next to it. Would you like to guess um, some other Ashley Judd boyfriends? I don't think I really have a grasp on who Ashley Judd is. <laughs> okay, well, she was rumored. Please to, tell me. Though. She was rumored yeah. to be dating Bobby in 1995. Um, okay. So use that. As is she your... in heat? Is she no. in She's in... Hang on. What does she look like? Can She's you, in you something. How about... Feel free. Now you know, you know, you've, you've got... You've guessed yeah. the... You can Google Ashley Judd. Is she in Heat? Is she in Yes. Heat? No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she is. Yes, yes. She's in Heat. Great. She's, she's um... Val Kilmer's boyfriend. Boyfriend. Girlfriend. Jesus oh! Christ, my brain. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh, she's great in Heat. She's so good. Yeah, she's great in Heat. The sun so is... I do know who she is. Yeah. There you go. The sun That's rises good. and sets with her, man. Okay, anyway, yeah. So, yeah. She was rumoured to be dating Bobby in 1995. So use all your 90s celebrity, eligible celebrity men to give me just a guess. Go for it. A couple of guesses. Just, you know, think about She's it. She's a little old for DiCaprio, maybe, but I'll go for that. No, but you're kind of, you're like feeling the right, the vibe is right, I think. The vibe is right. Think what? It's <laughs> Toby <Think> Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep listing Pussy Posse members. What's his name who plays Stan in Mad Men? Um, uh... <laughs> Yeah, J. Anyway. R. Ferguson, right? There you go, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's him, surprise. Stan from Madman. Okay, 90s think, guys. I it's not that, Brad Pitt, is it? It's not Brad Pitt. I actually think they are also in a movie together, but okay. I uh, I would need to guess what, I would need to look up what movie it is. I think they're just people who sort of exist in the same sphere, or at least I think... Yeah, so this guy, this actor, I will tell you, mm. this actor had his breakup role in 1993. It's a movie I love very much. I don't actually know if you've seen this movie. Mm. Interesting. He's I don't not, know, can you... He's not in the movie very much, but when he is in it, he makes a big impression. And he's... <laughs> this is not helping <laughs> He... 1993, all I can think about is The Age of Innocence, but it's definitely not that. Um... <laughs> it's Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another clue, but I'm like, you know, it's when you're like, okay, you have to come up with clues. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I, okay, I'm going to see if I, can I think of a, I wonder if he's actually. IMDb trivia. Yeah, I'm like, has he ever been, <laughs> has he been in a movie with Al and or Bob? I'm not sure. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good question. I don't actually think he probably Is it Michael hasn't. Keaton? I'm just pulling actors out of the air it, right now. I wish it was Michael Keaton. I would love to. <laughs> I'd love an excuse, any excuse to talk about about Mickey. Our Keaton, friend Michael. Our friend Michael, but no, it's not him. I can't. I've run out of clues. It's Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I never would have got that. Matt McCon. Would you not? No, I don't think so. Oh well. I love him, but I wouldn't have got that. We love I don't him. know what the movie is. What's the 1993 movie? The 19- Days of Confused. I don't like Days and Confused. <laughs> Terrible. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. There are like there are very few things we diverge on. Mm, it's true. It's true. I like it when we do. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It is interesting. I think I have more of a propensity for like goofy. No, that's not right. I, I think you. I also. I think like it's quite interesting that the Scorsese, the way we, the way we diverge on Scorsese, is quite interesting to me because I think that you. Yeah, that's true. Like, cause you like After Hours love... and King of Comedy, yeah. and I like both of them, but I'm not big on uh... on either. 
Yeah. So I think yeah, I think that's kind of that that's kind of a distillation, I guess, of like our like different <laughs> different that's feelings, really maybe. But we both love Cape Fear. It's true, but that's because Bobby is doing some crazy <laughs> shit in that he's movie. He's up to some business in Cape Fear. That's very true. He's, he's kind of yeah. That's yeah. That movie is. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it someday, uh, maybe. But that movie is yeah, just well. We so will we will nuts. talk about it because the follow up to this will be. Um, Podbert De Niro. Podbert De Niro. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's it's gonna happen. We'll have to talk about Heat again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. And Godfather Part Two. <laughs> <And> Godf- <laughs> But we didn't spend that much time on Vito this time, so I mean, we we, we can. So he gets he gets less of the movies, so he gets less of the podcast. He gets less. He has less of the themes and stuff like that. But yeah, that was a good game. Is there more? Oh, there's more. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple more girlfriends for you. Please, please continue. uh, Whitney Houston. (laughs) Um, Bobby. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And my phone, Bobby has better taste. He I does think. have. He has great. He has uh, the Bobby rumored girlfriends are bananas. Yeah. <laughs> Just like worth a browse, you know. Once the game is yeah, over. I'll go. I'll do. I'll do that. Um, my final, my final one. You'll have no idea who she is because I have no idea who she is. But I only okay. want to bring her up because her relationships is a murderous row of nineteen. 19- <laughs> 60s, 70s, and 80s actors. Maybe I will great. know who she is. Maybe you will know who she is based on your, like, you know, I don't know. My maybe Al- you will. Alan Bobby scholarship. So, yeah, her name is Varushka von Lendorf. Okay, no, I don't know who that she is. is. I'm going to guess Bobby, but. <laughs> <laughs> she is a German model. and Of course she is. She uh, actually, in fact, dated Alfredo. <gasps> wow, I can't believe I missed Alfredo. Do you want to guess who else she's dated? Um. Jack Nicholson. Yep, Bing. You want to keep going? <laughs> um, name some more. Just do it. Name more. Sure, sure. Uh, Dennis Hopper. I'm just naming the Easy Rider boys. Uh, uh, who else is Not there? Hopper, Gene- but uh, you know, same hat, really. Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> who are the seventies? Who are the seventies? Who are the boys? boys? You've named him already. One of them. One of them. Yeah. Who have I named already? Have you named already? Val Kilmer. <laughs> Named Val? Oh, you have named Val. <laughs> but only in the context of heat, not in the context of the game. Um, come on. Hmm. Who are the guys? Who are your guys, Maddie? Who are my guys? I don't know. I've forgotten everyone. Uh, uh. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I have a clue for you. This person has dated, in theory. Essentially everybody. If they were a famous person in the 70s, this person probably either dated them or had sex with them. And it's not Nicholson. Oh, it's Beatty. Of course it's Beatty. Uh, there we go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My <laughs> friend Warren Beatty, yeah. who, like, maybe is one of my favourite directors, which I find deeply upsetting That's to hilarious. admit. But That's hysterical. I love Warren um, Beatty. Okay, we got, we got one more. One more notable boyfriend of Varushka von Landorf. Uh, okay. And he is—he's uh, been established as a nemesis on this podcast already. So, <laughs> Oscar Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> no, funnily, no. Okay, a nemesis specifically in the context of our of our friend and um, you know subject matter. Oh, is it Bob Evans? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Dustin Hoffman. It is. Oh, Dustin okay. Hoffman. 
So... Well, this podcast has a lot of enemies. Uh. <laughs> he's not an enemy of... I mean, I guess he is kind of an enemy of ours because he's a piece of shit, but... Yeah. He's not... Yeah. To me, you know, I have no personal grievances with... I did see a lot, of, a lot of Hoffman stuff when I was, like, reading about Al around this movie. Like, because Al... Like, Hoffman was um, nominated for Lenny. Oh, sure. Like... And I'll turn that down, like, turn that roll down. Um, but it seems like a lot of that, like a lot of like Al turning something down and then it going to Dustin Hoffman. And I think Ooh, like, ouch. I actually think Dog Day Afternoon was like Al and then Al turned it down and then Hoffman was going to do it. And then Al was like, no, I want to do it, actually. <laughs> I changed my mind. I'm not 100% sure on that. I will correct myself next that's week. So if I, if I'm wrong. But yeah, but that's, that's great. That's been the boyfriend, get- the girlfriend. That was game. great. Thank you for thank you for doing that. You're so welcome. Yeah, it was a it good was, game. It was really fun. I'm so glad that <laughs> I got to do a little game, <laughs> and that Warren, Warren Beatty has become a spectre over this. Podcast. I love Warren. <laughs> pod, pod. One day I'll persuade you. He doesn't actually made that many movies, so we could. What quite, but I mean, we're going to talk made? about him. Yeah. Well, well, the like directing movies. It's only yeah. about. Five, yeah, I, mean, I think, I, I and I've seen all of them. I know what movies so. he's been in, Maddie. Like, I... <laughs> no, but I mean, even then, like, if you were doing him as like a movie star, he didn't make a huge m- number of movies, That's so true. it wouldn't be a particularly long series. I'm just gonna pitch you on Warren Beatty. Now. On Warren we Bates have to do Bates. every Pops. Diane Keaton boyfriend. No, no, never mind. I immediately realized that that means Woody Allen, and I changed my mind no. immediately. Um, <laughs> no, you said it. We have to do every Diane Keaton boyfriend. <laughs> No, no, I've made a mistake. I want to see who else Diane Keaton. See, this has become this is the part of the show where I just go through as as I've said, Wikipedia pages. Um, yeah, uh, who's dated who dot com is the greatest yeah. resource of our time. Who else is Diane? While Keaton you're dated? while you're looking this up, I did want to mention that I have a note that says Al chose the coat and scarf near the end, babe, which is the like the kind of. Um, <laughs> The kind of camel coat with the like scarf situation yeah, that yeah. he's wearing, like when he kind of closes the door on Kay. Yeah. And I'm like, great costuming. Little, Very sexy. Little Good job. Scar- little scarf culture. Also, I wanted to note that I'm pretty sure they put some old man makeup on him for this oh, movie. I think you're right. Yeah. He he looks like weird. At some points, he looks a bit looks weird. looks like a skeleton. Like, kind of sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i love this man he, he has looks like a skeleton <laughs> he has this thing that he starts to get when he's older where like his cheekbones are so high that he gets these little like triangles <laughs> underneath them that kind of like are like sunk into his face i don't know if i can like describe it properly but it's just like two upside down triangles that are just like oh, and it's great i'm the victim of too much cheekbone <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Literally, like they're so sharp that like <laughs> it's just his face is deteriorating. Yeah, but I did, I did think that like watching it, especially because I was thinking about Serpico and like the fact when we when we said in Serpico that they shot this, like they shot Serpico backwards because he had to go and shoot this afterwards. And mm. the early scenes in Serpico, he looks like a little boy, like he looks like a tiny shining boy. And then in this, he's like so kind of and I mean it also makes Bobby look even better because because Al is so kind of drawn and not like yeah yeah, yeah. nobody's definitely like... not the hottest not the hottest bitch in this movie the hottest uh, bitch is definitely uh, Bobby yeah should we do, <laughs> should we make that a bit should we establish who the hottest person is in each movie that we watch because is, is, all, what if it's always it can't always be Al no because Godfather is it is it um it's is it Kat, Jimmy it, Kat, sorry, it's Jimmy yeah it's, it's Jimmy. Jimmy Khan yeah yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is great. We did it. This is a good bit. I'm enjoying this. I think we should establish this. It's Gene now. Hackman in Scarecrow. Uh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah Hackman doing his little like striptease at the diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Hackman. 
I mean, I think next episode I will be making the. Although I could make the case for for the head teller in in Doctor. She's very oh, hot. Oh, she is great. Yeah, we need some yeah. more women in this pod. We're like very. We do very. <laughs> next movie. Next movie is perfect. It's one of my favorites ever, and it's gonna be great. It's it gonna is. be great. It is gonna be great. This has been. So... This one also like is great, but that one is fun. So. Yeah, exactly. Dog Day is fun. Dog Day is about um what. What would you do if you two were gay and stressed? Like, which is an yeah, experience. It's 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 <laughs> be gay, do crime. The movie, like, <laughs> it is. It like is. that's that's the central tenet, and I'm like, I agree. Yeah, like, yes. yeah. It's a yeah, like I say, a movie about being gay and short and very stressed. So, like, yes, I, yes. I, it's yeah, it's a movie about me. <laughs> it's a film about me. I, I too, am gay and short and stressed, and I, exactly. I love to rob banks very badly. Representation is so important. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Is. Like I'll be sure. I did actually think about that with this one. That Let that he is sure. kind of well, he is kind of like taking up space in this one. He's he's I think the like big shoulders on the on the suits and stuff and he like he's got a pre- like he's he doesn't seem small in this movie. Not no. anywhere near the in the way that he does in Dog Day. Like in Dog Day it's like that's a child. Like a, <laughs> it's a man child. Yeah. So much of Dog Day is him standing on things as well. Like oh having to like stand on chairs or tables and like I, to we're gonna spend around. twenty minutes talking about him like jumping up to like try and spray the the, the paint on the oh, on the CCTV cameras. It's so good. I can't wait to Little talk boy. about Al being funny. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, it's and and we get to talk about about Katsale some more. Oh, we do. Cuz I actually want to talk about Katsale and like Meryl and all of that kind of thing. Oh, so we great. can do that in that oh episode. My god, a Meryl segue. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. Well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's it for the show now. Yeah, we've, we've, got, I... we've run out of things to say. I think I've run out of things to say. Final final thoughts on on Godfather Two. Do you do you have do you have final thoughts? Do I have final thoughts on Godfather Two? Um, my final thoughts on Godfather Two is that it is good. It's good. <laughs> Robert De Niro. Is Robert handsome. De Niro is very handsome. Oh, um, my yeah. My final thoughts on Godfather Two is that um, I wrote down um when he young Vito, like little baby Vito, mm. is at the port at Ellis Island coming into the coming into be you know, go through immigration is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Uh, and they put him down at the desk and he's like, What's his name? And he goes, he's like Vito and he's like, Where's he from? Corleone and he goes, Vito, Corleone and the guy like <laughs> stamps the book. I wrote down nice solo reference. <laughs> And that was not what I was expecting at all, and I am so happy that that's what happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because as wow. we all know, um... well, <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I just realised that there is a through line to this because Francis Ford Coppola discovered Aldenaro. Aldenaro, he did. He did. There we go. Francis Ford Coppola. Also, we haven't mentioned, but Harry Dean Stanton is very briefly in this movie and is yeah, wonderful and is. my best friend, and I love oh, him. I love him so much. Um, one of the greatest ever and just, it's so it's yeah. always yeah this movie is so great for that for just like being like hey it's that guy like, it's you yeah that's um true. yeah i'm glad that's my that's my own note because that's yeah that's, it's that's perfect. That literally it's, it's perfect. all i have left to contribute is to remind everybody that solo a star wars story <laughs> is good thank you uh, sure <laughs> Um, yeah, do yeah. I, oh, there, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with talking about, about the score for this movie, oh, cool, okay. which is perfect, and incredible, and amazing, and was partly written by Coppola's father, 
And Coppola brought him to the Oscars and he won an Oscar. And this was like their their relationship had been kind of difficult and, and his father had kind of struggled in his life. And it was this kind of great moment for for Francis to see his dad kind of get some recognition for his for his art. And then um I can't remember his first name now, but um Coppola Senior is walking back to his seat after after he wins the Oscar and he uh, drops it on the floor and it smashes into many thousands of pieces. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they gave him a replacement, but oh that's just God. so that's, such a an image. That's like, the worst thing I've. Ever, but that's why they don't like they don't let them do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Maybe that's I mean, why. I would drop it. Like, I would. You would I'm be terrified, it. especially yeah. like if you're not a movie person yeah. and you're like kind yeah. of. Doing and for that. all I, yeah. you know, those things are heavy. People say it all yeah, the time. Man. They're like a big hunk, you know. Yeah. You don't want to drop it. It could hurt. <laughs> Wow. Exactly. I'm really glad anyway. I know that. Yeah. But I also, yeah, that is also an interesting thing of like getting his father involved. Oh, and, yeah. And it oh, my God. This... It is. It's all about dads, man. All about dads. It's about dads. It's about fathers and sons. It's <sighs> about being Italian in America. <laughs> it is. And it's about um, little It's suits, about boys. Little jackets. Boys and little boys jackets. Boys and little jackets. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think this one's for the girls. Yeah. Like, if Godfather is for the is for the boys, this one's for the this girls. This one's for the girls. That's really the girls true. and the gays. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. The the marginalized communities. The, the girls. How would you gays, say banana daiquiri? The Italians. <laughs> banana daiquiri. <laughs> Fredo queer coded. No, I'm not gonna <laughs> drop that right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Fredo's like. Fredo's aggressively like hetero girlfriend who won't sleep yeah. with him and with her massive hair and uh, she like calls him a slur and I'm like great. Oh, great. Fredo is quick. <laughs> oh no. I'm this so is, sorry. This is open. Bury your gaze. I mean, come on. Oh, oh man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to do that right at the end of the book. <laughs> Now I have to process this. And I can't process <laughs> it on mic because we've been talking for two hours and 43 minutes. Anyway, okay. Uh, right. um, Let's wrap up. The Godfather is great. Yep. We will return in Godfather 3 in many weeks from now. Oh God, yeah. And we will see what that's like. But I think you can assume that this is the end of the saga and it's a perfect end to this yep. kind of... Yep. I'm, I'm open to liking 3 yeah, me for too. sure. Me too. I'm actually... I'm probably going to bullishly insist that I like 3. <laughs> Um, because I think it would be fun, and I like to be contrary. Yeah, Miss Solo is the best Star Wars movie. It's great, okay? It's great. It's great. (laughs) What you don't don't get, Maddie, is that he's alone. He's, it's just him. Like, he's... I've got to stop clapping into the mic. Um... It's just, he's he's solo. He's alone. Okay, the podcast is over. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening, friends. Enemies. Yes, thank you for listening. Well, you can follow us on, on things. Yeah. And we will see you next time. We will. We will. For Dog Day Afternoon, the, yes. the best movie that we're going to cover. Indeed. Possibly. And as always, Diane Keaton dated Steve Jobs. <laughs>